Wrestling Geeks Alliance. How are you guys doing out there? I got another wonderful episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance for you guys today. Um, I want to apologize. We actually had a really good three-hour show uh, for last week, but unintentionally and without us knowing, I think on my end, two things kind of messed up. For one, um, I was very breathy. I didn't realize that my headset was all the way... I guess in my face, and uh, I apologize about that. I mean, the stuff that you could hear uh, before we decided not to put it up, it was uh, definitely distracting, and I'm going to try to work on that. But uh, also, I don't know about the – you guys didn't hear the episode, but I was complaining about phone calls kind of cutting you off even if you put your phone on mute, and my brother called a couple times. So something disrupted our recording – and unfortunately, we were cut off after like an hour and 15 minutes into it. We didn't even get to talk about the uh, AEW pay-per-view, uh, Double or Nothing, because of it. Uh, we were into the first match on the pre-show before it cut off. So we decided to trash the show. But we have a great show for you guys today. Uh, I think that you'll enjoy it. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. And of course, joining me as always, Christopher Brother Ray Powder. <laughs> uh how's it going dane it's been a crazy week for me um fighting people on twitter as you as, as you've seen <laughs> and watching a whole shit ton of wrestling what was your week like bud yeah man you're aggressive what the heck like what is your problem you need to like calm down Joke, <laughs> joking everyone if you guys have listened to us this is the exact opposite of what usually happens uh, but yeah, Chris, 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 crispy battling, you know. Uh, apparently, and also, I, I never... don't, don't, don't downplay how great DMX is. is all I have to say, like, I love Jay Z, oh, yeah. but like, we're not going to even go on debate. At one time, DMX was a household name, and Jay Z was on his way to becoming one of the best up and coming rappers, getting put over by people like Big Daddy Kane, who took him underneath his wing. And he had amazing albums towards the end of the 90s and the 2000s. But DMX was huge. And uh, Chris got into a discussion, a dispute, I would say, about that. Besides some of the stuff that, you know, going back and forth with uh, Kevin Smith's, uh, not Kevin Smith himself, but some of the idiots on his post. But uh, what is wrong with you? What's going on, man? You need to like no lie idea, down. <laughs> maybe, are you hanging out? Should have been are, are you down. doing? Are you doing too many podcasts with me? Am I bringing out the aggressive side on you? I know. I channeled my inner you and went against my own rules and got into the comments section. That's. <laughs> I guess that's what happens. Maybe maybe well, MJF's uh, awesome aggressionness has like rubbed off on me as well. <laughs> I'm waiting for Tony Khan to give me more money, Dane. That's that's what's happening. Damn, dude. All I got to say is I got blood on my hands because there's no remorse. 
Um, so I understand where you're coming from. And I think Eddie Kingston does too, but I love still Uva and so do you, but I mean, that's a very interesting conversation of the whole concept of best rapper. It's kind of very similar, I would say to, you know, how you, uh, and, you know, analyze best guitarist or even best professional wrestler. There's lots of different aspects. So to me personally, and I know people won't agree with me, you know, some, but my favorite overall rapper is Q-Tip because I think he's qualified on every aspect. He might not be the greatest rapper lyricist, but he's up there. If you want to say he might not be the greatest producer, but he's up there. Uh, when it comes to innovation and teaching other people, uh, he's up there. Uh, but when it comes to lyricism specifically, I would actually go to Nas uh, before I would even pick Biggie or Pac, even though I love both those artists, or Ice Cube, who I think is up there as well as one of the best lyricists of all time. Uh, but, you know, this is hip-hop. It's all subjective. Riz is another guy that you could put up there. His... Lyrical skills are great, but, you know, he, he might not be the best out of his whole entire group, but the fact that he produced everything and made it all gritty, it's it's different. It's like, you know, like we said, like with wrestlers, is it about all around? Is it about just, you know, wrestling performance? Is it about selling? Is it about promos? It's a mixture of everything to me that gets you the highest uh, level uh, when it, when, it, when people look at you. And you don't have to strive and be the best in each category, but if you're really fucking good in each one, you might be a Ric Flair, or I guess what I'm considering with hip-hop, a Q-tip. And not the thing that yeah, cleans that, out I your mean, ears. If you don't know who the fuck Q-tip <laughs> is, for Christ's sakes, please, uh, just just look look up low-end theory, please, and just, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say. My God. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that was part of part of the frustration uh, once I got into the comment section because I, the actual question was just something very simple. It was probably someone young. They were like, "Why was DMX such a big deal, <laughs> or was he as big of a deal as people talk about?" I, I can't remember exactly how it was phrased, but instead of someone just giving the person the answer of why and how big DMX was, circa let's say. Uh, 98 to 2003, it just became a discussion of best rapper, which had absolutely nothing to do with the question, um, which was essentially like, how big was DMX? And I, my answer was three fucking action films and five number like day number one debuting albums. That's how fucking big he was. <laughs> like uh, as far as like best rapper, etc. I mean, everyone's always going to have those kind of conversations. It was just weird. Like it was like a spiral of not answering the dude's questions to talk about Jay-Z as greatest rapper of all time, <laughs> instead of just trying to explain, you know, that uh, during this time period, Jay-Z was an opening act for DMX. Uh, so it, yeah, I don't know. It was a fun discussion. <laughs> That's for sure. What's my motherfucking name? Jigga. I love Jay-Z. I really do. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that that's what made it worse is that it, the entire thing wasn't like, let's create a list of favorite rappers, etc. And I love Jay-Z. It was just the comments section fucking spiraled out of control. It had nothing oh, yeah. to do with the original question. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you got Big Daddy Kane and Biggie in your fucking, you know, that, that look at you as a next up-and-comer, 
that's pretty fucking great. But it's all subjective. I mean, it's like it's like me saying Shawn Michaels is the greatest of all time. You know, I'm analyzing it on what I saw, but it's not my own opinion. And uh, as you guys can tell with me, sometimes, you know, a person's opinion can – you can be pretty aggressive uh, when, when it comes to the answer. I think a lot of it has to do with taste, and if someone kind of says – like if someone flat out tells me the Beatles are terrible, I'm not going to take their music sense seriously. That's not saying that they're wrong or anything. That's their opinion. It's just when you question taste and another person puts it down or, or lowers you know, your, 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 uh, your thoughts on how they are perceived – um, it kind of insults you in, in a way, and it's all about the person, which normally Chris is on the opposite end of the spectrum with me, but, you know, when it comes to uh, talking about that. And that definitely happens with wrestling fans. Um, and I don't mean just AEW marks or, or WWE marks, just in general. It's a very aggressive group of individuals that are very opinionated. And uh, a lot of us, including me, including most hosts, even if they have a news outlet, if they're not an actual ex-professional wrestler, booker, something of, of, to that extent, they're just giving their opinion, and it shouldn't be looked at as highly, I, I don't think, as it does a lot of times. Yeah, and, and I, like I said, I, I, it started off as, as what as I, I think was just an honest question of how big was X during this time period? Is he as big as my dad said he was? Kind of. <laughs> Which, for some reason, spun into an entire argument of not answering That's the question. That's <laughs> terrifying. The fact that, Which the is fact like, that we're at know, the point where it's like, my dad, said, my dad said DMX is really cool. It's like, oh my god, we're that old now. And then you realize, unfortunately, DMX is no longer even with us. So then you just feel even older and sad. Yeah, if the kid was 15, he would have been born in, you know, mid-2000s, right? Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Which is, which is crazy to think about. But uh, I, my only caveat, and, and the only thing I'll say, and we can move along from this, is, you know, yeah. read the original question before you just start spamming random bullshit, regardless of, you know, whatever the topic is. It really – it could be wrestling, and- it could be rap, it could be movies, like – and not, uh, and not only that, that you'll the, probably I think agree. That's what set me off. You'll probably agree with me that knowledge is power, and if you're going to have an aggressive opinion, try to go out and learn stuff from all sides of it. I think that's something that society just can't do in general anymore. They can't really learn; they just want to know what they know, and that's it. And uh, I don't agree with that concept at all. So. Yeah. One day we, me and you, and we'll put together our top ten favorite rappers list into the show. <laughs> but That'd the fucking fun. question wasn't about that. <laughs> that was we, the we frustrating would, part. We we will definitely have to do rappers and then rap groups because that becomes a very different concept. But yeah, I'd be completely down to do that. I love, I love, I love hip hop. I absolutely love hip hop. I love producers that are incredible within it. I love the rappers, the music itself. I I just think it's a blending, you know, especially stuff that we grew up with in the '90s when they were literally cutting tape and grabbing what they could from each, you know, individual album. They're basically making, in a way, an orchestra 
of different music from different times. They would grab the horns of a 1920s jazz album. They would grab the drums from a 1970s rock album. They would grab the bass from something from the 1980s that was in a Peter Gabriel fucking... It didn't matter. They would mishmash all these things, present it as one, and then put, you know, uh, poetry basically on top of it. You know, slam poetry, if you will. But always going to have a spot in my heart, like pro wrestling, for hip-hop itself. Hey, yeah, same. And uh, it, as far as greatest rapper of all time, I don't know if I would say DMX is the greatest rapper of all time, but he's the most fucking metal rapper of all time. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. If, he, if, if there was like a rapper that could just transition into death metal, it would be DMX. Him or Ice-T, basically. To the most aggressive uh, metal-esque rappers, if you will. And the funny thing is Ice-T goes from 6 in the morning, you know, West Coast-style rapping, uh, one of the originators, if you will, uh, to then making something like Cop Killa and making a fucking hip-hop album. And we all know DMX. Well, if you don't know, go find out stuff. I love it when it comes to music. I, I, I realize this, Chris, and I, I we'll get into wrestling, guys, but... You know, if you're new to this show, we kind of talk about stuff before we get into the actual meat of the matter. But um, I don't know. I, I just love that my YouTube music account goes everywhere. If I tell them to pull whatever, I mean, it's going to play Chris Stapleton. It's going to play fucking uh, – I might play The Weeknd. It might play Led Zeppelin, you know, The Beatles. It might play The Cars. It might play Run DMC. I, I just – it's gotten to the point with all of us as human beings, just love music, love, find different genres and support artists that aren't as big if you really like them. But, um, yeah, I don't know where the fuck I was going with yeah. that, but that, that, that's my last statement on it. In a world where you can easily access so many different genres of all time, being an elitist is kind of unbecoming, regardless of movies, wrestling, whatever form of popular media <laughs> you would be into because I, I it, it was a little bit more, more common when you actually had to go pay for fucking albums, <laughs> but now with like Spotify and YouTube, etc. There's uh, there's a lot less room for that kind of shit, in my opinion. And, and don't worry, guys, if you do follow me on Twitter, I promise I will go back to my normal uh, self <laughs> after after this show. What is normal self, really? You know. Anyways, uh, just to give an update on my side of things, since you asked a question, what I've uh, been doing, um, I have been finalizing what I'm going to be doing on the show soon. Once again, I am going to give my uh, predictions for the MCU and my fan casting choices for the X-Men themselves, and I've been going down to two people that I have in mind. Um, and that is Anthony Starr and Jared Kesso. And Anthony Starr is known as Homelander right now in The Boys. He's fucking killing it. One of the best acting performances I've seen in a television for a villain in a very long time. I mean, it's funny because he's up there with Gus, Gus Fringe from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. And that actually is kind of like his father figure literally on this show. If you haven't checked out The Boys, I would definitely check that out. Um, Jared Kesso is known for Letterkenny, 
Uh, Shorzy just came out. He's actually Canadian, which is kind of cool because of the fact that Wolverine. But I checked out two of their shows that I want to recommend for anyone. Banshee, I was told by my bosses. It was a Cinemax show from, uh, I want to say 2014, 2015. But at my, my job, they were like, it's great. It's awesome. Just started watching it on the fourth episode. Anthony Starr, who plays Homelander, a very different character, uh, he basically plays Wolverine in this show, and it's fucking awesome. And then I had to download a Canadian streaming app, Chris, called The Acorn. Uh, but I wanted to watch 19.2, which is what Jared Kesso did before Letterkenny. And it has a lot of Canadian actors that people would know. Uh, it is very The Wire-esque. And he plays a rookie cop, very similar in essence to Brad Pitt in Seven. I would say, or I forgot what the uh, Dominic Cooper from The Wire, like, you know, puppy with big paws, just wants to be the good cop, comes in this situation where he's a rookie, even though he's been around for 10 years in Montreal, Canada. And uh, it just it's a fucking great show. So I'm just letting you know, one of those two guys are going to win by the time I'm done with these two seasons of these shows. But uh, I would definitely recommend 19-2 and Banshee. And uh, The Boys in general, and Letterkenny, and Shorzy, all those shows, regardless of Wolverine, I feel like they're great. I, I feel like I've been letting down my fucking condom, comic fandom because uh, outside of reading Philadelphia, I've been slack-ass on everything comic-related, whether it's movies or uh, or actual you know printed comics. Um, I think the last thing I watched was the uh, John Cena show and then uh, Invincible, the animated series on Netflix or uh, on Amazon, which I highly recommend. I think it was fucking great. But as you know, I'm fucking terrible with fan casting because I'm pretty much just always going to cast Terrence Howard and <laughs> Casey Affleck for anything pretty much um, or Michael Shannon. Those are just my three gate go to's. But if you guys haven't seen uh, Dane's ability to, fan cast it, it's pretty impressive it's, it's and you always come up with something yeah, very interesting thanks, and great i try to study uh I, I really try to like take an acting ability i don't like like everyone wants anthony Starr because of homelander to play like reverse flash dr doom like great villain it's kind of like when idris elba everyone wanted to play john stewart and don't get me wrong i, I don't really care for I like what he did in Suicide Squad. I don't even remember the fucking character, and I'm a huge comic book fan, but I thought they wasted him in both the MCU as Heemdale and whoever the fuck he played in Suicide Squad. But everyone wanted him to play Jon Stewart, and I was like, dude, this is a guy, because of his acting, I want something out of the box. You know, I, I loved him to play Martian Manhunter or, or, or Brainiac or Doctor Doom or something different. And, uh, you know, the same thing with Anthony Starr with uh, Homelander. If you haven't watched The Boys, Chris, especially since you said Invincible and Peacemaker are relatable shows that I would say The Boys is very similar. But The Boys is, outside of superhero shows, it's the most satirical show that I think is relevant when it comes to making fun of society. You know, whether it becomes celebrity worship whether it becomes politics and how they basically run everything. It's more like South Park than it is a superhero show. But if you like something like Invincible, 
and you'd like something like Peacemaker with John Cena, you'll fucking love The Boys. Uh, it's 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 one of the best shows, and they're only three seasons in. Yeah, uh, Amazon and YouTube has been telling me that I should watch The Boys as well constantly. So I'm, I'm I guess I'm gonna. F- end up checking it out uh from the from the ads and stuff at least from the previews uh the the cast kind of has or or the characters in general the superhero characters kind of have like a almost a watchman feel to them <laughs> uh, which which i dig at least the graphic novel of what those heroes were in the watchmen so i i i want to see it but I, outside of just the previews i know nothing about it <laughs> essentially think about this the Justice League was actually corrupt, or the Avengers doesn't matter, and they were basically formed by the government. And then they had, you know, they were celebrity status, and they had to maintain their audience and all that type of concept a celebrity does, while being in control by the government. And then they're not, for the most part, good people. Some of them are, but most mostly it's all about control and perception especially when it comes to Anthony Starr's character of Homelander, who's basically a fucking evil cunt of a Superman type of concept. And uh, it's it's just really well done. It makes fun of society to a T. It uses a lot of practical blood effects that horror movies, you know, try to do. And it's just a very, very well-made show. And then the opposition are the boys from The Seven, the boys are led by Carl Urban, who plays basically plays like a, a hybrid of Batman and Punisher, who knows from personal experience that these people are fucking just corrupt and tries to form a group to go against them. And it's it's brilliant. It's it's a brilliant show. I, 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 I wouldn't I wouldn't be putting it over this much if I didn't think it was one of the best shows written on television the last couple of years, basically. Yeah, and I think from the trailers, that's why I got Watchmen vibes, where you have like um, the Homelander character kind of being the Doctor Manhattan, and 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 then like the Rorschach Whew. trying to put this group of superheroes back together, and that made me want to check it out. But I know it's not; it wasn't exactly that. But just from the trailers, I was like, I need to check this out because it looks really good. But uh, outside of that. No fucking clue. Anything about anything I know about it is just you talking about it and, and your love for it in passing in this episode and uh, like I said, YouTube and Amazon constantly constantly blowing me blowing me up with uh, trailers and such. So it, it looks like one I definitely will love and, and check out. But I think everyone should keep in mind it took me like seven months after. <laughs> peacemaker to actually watch it i just uh when you factor in all of the wrestling all of the hockey and uh oh yeah just random shit that i watch uh movie wise it's it's uh it's hard to get back i did watch tammy and the t-rex i don't know if you've ever seen uh denise richards first acting gig but it's literally a movie about her being in love with a guy, they take his brain out and put it inside of a T-Rex, and it's kind of like the King Kong uh, weird love story, but with a giant animatronic T-Rex. It's a pretty fun horror flick if you're into, like, B-side horror. Huh. Well, that sounds extremely interesting. Um, T-Rex love stories are always fun to watch, and Denise Richards just in general is a uh, beautiful lady. That's all I'll, I'll say. Um, what is it, Wild <laughs> Things with her and Nev Campbell? And, uh, 
Never mind. Anyways, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> it also has 1994 Paul Walker in it. <laughs> oh shit! Is it? It's not his. Um, his. Uh, never mind. I'm not gonna go. <laughs> his hologram uh, is what I was gonna say. Um, no. <laughs> Um, Rest man. in peace, Paul We're, Walker. I'm just kidding. Yeah. obviously. R.I.P. Paul Walker, dude. I almost had you. <laughs> All right, let's Never talk about some you. wrestling, man. Let's 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 get a little bit into this. Uh, so, dude, I mean, the biggest thing that's plaguing both Raw and SmackDown, and I would say the summer usually is in general, at least with WWE, AEW, maybe too, a little bit slower. Uh, the most most seasons, even if they have to compete with some bigger platforms, you know, it, it usually slows down. But this uh, this summer, man, I mean, we talked about a couple of these last on on the show that we did that didn't air, obviously. But uh, let's 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 do a track list uh, so far at this point, Chris. CM Punk. Uh, it, it looks like most likely because of him jumping into the crowd and smacking his foot against the guardrail, that was actually the cause of at least the initial start of what happened to his foot um, or leg. I, I don't I don't know exactly. They won't give the exact details. I'm pretty sure it's his foot. He had to get surgery. Uh, he is the interim champion. And obviously from what happened at Dominion and also on Dynamite, it's going to be John Moxley and Tanahashi. Uh, to find out who is the new champion for AEW. So that's a very interesting concept. How they went about it, very fucking predictable, but we'll get there. Uh, outside of Punk, probably the biggest babyface. If Punk's the biggest babyface in AEW, I would say Cody's the biggest babyface in, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, WWE. And we will talk about the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. Uh, and probably the best match of the night was Seth and him. But he tore his peck literally off the bone, still performing a match uh, and looked like a badass, had a great promo on Raw going back and forth with Seth Rollins and will be out. Both him and Punk, they both have a concept where they could be out from four to about six months, depending. I don't know if Cody is a freak like John Cena where he can get over a torn peck within like three to four fucking months. So we'll have to find out from both of them. Uh, Cody definitely was being pushed as a guy that was probably going to win Money at the Bank. And now that original commercial where Cody is at the stadium, they're no longer doing it at, uh, doesn't look too good because none of that's happening. But what are you going to do? But if you look at, at WWE side of things, Chris, Randy Orton, we don't know if he's actually injured or if he's just on vacation. It looks like he actually did hurt himself, but there's been multiple different reports about it. We do know Brock Lesnar is not has not been called in. He's been, you know, chilling at home. Roman, part-time schedule. Charlotte is pregnant, just got a baby. Or she's trying to have a baby directly after her getting married to Andrade. So that's in the mix. She's going to be gone for a while. We all know about what happened with Sasha and Naomi. So, I mean, WWE is taking a hit. Then you look at AEW. Punk. Jeff Hardy is banged up. Some fucking reason he's going to be in the ladder match next week with Matt, who's also banged the fuck up. Daniel Bryan got a minor concussion. That is a fucking really scary thing. He should be fine from it, apparently, but he could not fly to uh, an autograph signing that he was supposed to be at due to this. 
Uh, the reason why it's scary, if no one remembers, you know, and I said Daniel Bryan, I mean Brian Danielson uh, had to retire due to that. So I'm glad that everything looks like it's fine. But during that brawl uh, at Double or Nothing, apparently he did hurt himself. Uh, we have Adam Cole, who is banged up. Um, you know, this is not good for either company. Um, Adam Cole should be good by the pay-per-view, and it really, in a way, looks like he's going to be going after Jay White. Uh, but And then Matt Cardona, the NWA champion, had to relinquish his belt. He's going to be out for six months. And Trevor Murdoch is now the NWA champion. Uh, just a lot of stuff that happened with a lot of great wrestlers all getting injured around the same time, and WWE and AEW taking huge hits when it comes to wrestlers. We know Scorpio Sky, you know, he pulled the muscle from his hamstring to his groin. He still looks like he's kind of wobbling uh, when he went back and forth with Wardlow, so that's another person who potentially has something. He's, you know, a lot of people, it seems like, are pulling Kenny Omegas, <laughs> working with injuries, and just keep on going, and uh, that's not going to help out, but... uh We'll, we'll find out, you know, from storyline what will happen with all these situations. And only time can heal certain people. So we'll have to find out, you know, does this set up Cody for Royal Rumble? Uh, is CM Punk going to come back and get the championship back? Or are they going to be in a different place than they were beforehand uh, when they do the interim championship? And uh, the explaining of the interim championship on Rampage two weeks ago, highly confusing. Now that we're through a dynamite battle royal, Kyle O'Reilly going on, going against John Moxley, losing Tanahashi, going against Goto last night at Dominion, beating him, Tanahashi and John Moxley will be the people that will go on to basically be the interim AEW World Champion at Forbidden Door. But man, it's a lot of craziness, man. A lot of craziness. What do you think? Oh man, I, I, you know, we've been doing this show for a while. I don't know that I remember a time where so many top guys were out all at the same time. Um, and I'm sure there's some people that we missed with injuries. Isn't Sting injured as well? Uh, it's it's fucking crazy to think about how many people both of these companies have gotten hit with, and, and even NWA with Matt Cardona, who was kind of on the best run of his entire career, really. Uh, just sucks, man. Especially if you're, you know, WWE or AEW. Both, let's say, uh, we'll we'll see how those stars align in general with Cody and, and Punk, and uh, who will end up being considered the best of this time period. But for WWE, they have no fucking baby faces, so uh, losing Cody is a huge, huge shit. And uh, yeah, the same thing with. Punk going out right before Forbidden Door because I think a lot of people were really, really excited to see him versus Tanahashi and just him being involved with New Japan in general. So, uh, yeah, man, it's a lot of injuries. And also, Jeff Hardy don't have a fucking ladder match. <laughs> I'm not even going to blame this on Jeff Hardy. Tony Khan, don't book fucking Jeff Hardy in a ladder match right now. Let the guy give him a couple months or something. You know what I mean? Like, you guys can't just find a regular ass match to put the Hardys in. Why? Why is Jeff always going to be diving off shit? Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of want whatever happens in this match to give us like broken Hardys and just let them do 
<laughs> weird shit in Cameron, North Carolina for a while, just to give both of those guys an opportunity to, you know, hill up. Um, another one that we didn't name and kind of talked about from Dominion earlier before the show started was uh, uh, the uh, the U.S. champion. Uh, now his name's going to fucking escape me. Um, oh, uh, Juice Robinson. Yeah, Juice randomly got appendicitis and had to have surgery and then had to drop the U.S. title belt. So there's some – just across the board, (laughs) a lot of injuries. And it is weird that the summer is kind of a slower period maybe up until SummerSlam because it's the time where wrestling has the least amount of competition really when it comes to TV. And you would think they would just at some point push out – uh, some of these paper views and big moments that they pushed you instead of doing that shit in April when you have both the NBA and the NHL playoffs at the same time, maybe uh, push that stuff off and give your big shows where you're going to have a, a broader audience. But that's a, that's a whole different story for a different day. But yeah, it is uh, sucks. All these guys are injured and uh, well wishes to all of them. The Daniel Bryan stuff or Brian Danielson, stuff it, it was a little scary with the concussion but i also heard he hurt his he like hurt his knee also in that match um so i've heard like multiple reports did, is there any did dave or you know bill after or someone come out and actually give it official this is what happened to him because i know in that match specifically he kind of got stuck between their weird ramp thing in Garvel well that was actually and- that was the uh, the beatdown on Rampage before the pay-per-view, and there was a lot of rumors, especially since they didn't televise him actually being stuck, that that wasn't a part of storyline. And they went with it, and you could tell, at least if he's selling it, great, but he, that he was uh, a little bit hurt on, uh, you know, uh, on his leg. He was selling it throughout the whole entire huge brawl match, but... Uh, that potentially was real, and he also literally got a minor concussion and couldn't fly because of it. So uh, keep Brian Danielson healthy. And Jesus Christ, I mean, you have him for Forbidden Door. This this couldn't have gone down with Punk, and hopefully Danielson will be fine for it. But like at a worse time, when it comes to making all these dream matches for Forbidden Door, I, I told Chris, unfortunately, due to everything, and it looks like it's very rushed, and we're going to have to try to get a lot of stuff done on these shows uh, building up to it, which is only a couple weeks that I'm looking forward to next year's forbidden door because of just how fucking rush and all the injuries and shit for this one. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost wondering if new Japan is going to do an, their own version of forbidden door to try to give us some of these matches in Japan and what that turnout would be like. Um, since we got the G one updated roster and there's, not a whole lot of AEW guys involved. I'm wondering if they're going to have their own like big AEW versus New Japan event uh, at the Tokyo Dome or something as a pay per view. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, they fucking killed. If you go back and listen to our original predictions of what we would like to see at Forbidden Door, a lot of that shit got murdered by everyone being injured, which is unfortunate. Extremely unfortunate. And uh, I'm trying to pull up the event itself of Dominion, but we do have a lot of details from that. Uh, just a, uh, a big show that happened last night, and uh, we have a new world champion. 
I can't believe this shit, Chris. I mean, look, I like Jay White. I just feel like, you know, they hyped him up like he's jumping through AW and he's an impact over in the U.S. and he's built himself to come back. And I'm like, he had one match in fucking AW that I remember on Rampage. And then I think he beat Trent Beretta, which I love Trent, but I'm just saying. And then Impact, they jobbed him out until he left. So he comes back to New Japan and fucking beats Okada and then tells basically Adam Page to fuck off. You're not getting in here anytime soon. So I'm wondering, what do you? Th- the match was great, but it was, I mean, I guess Jay White really is a Triple H to Okada's rock. Uh, Jay White just dominated Okada. He definitely had some shine spots. He did his usual thing where he, he got him and Gato outside over the rail, uh, did his running, uh, jumping crossbody. I really, I know I hate to get annoyed. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not trying to compare red shoes to Rick Knox cause I do respect red shoes, but my God, what was it like fucking like three minutes they were out there before he actually started counting anything. And I don't know, just it, it's a 20 count. Just start it. If it gets interrupted or you want to check on someone, you're stopping it by yourself. That kind of aggravated me. Jay White actually made it. So he would go in the ring and come back out to disrupt the count when it finally happened. But by then, I mean, like I said, they've been out there for a while, but uh, the match itself, other than that was really good. Very hard hitting back and forth. And Jay White, Won the championship and, like I said, denounced Adam Page uh, to go against him. So I don't know what they're doing there. I don't know if it's going to be Page now against Okada because Page actually wants Okada or if he's going to go for Jay White. And I have no idea if Jay White is going to go against Adam Cole, who also seems to be presented within this mix. So it's going to be interesting. Maybe it will be a four-way dance for the title. That's definitely a possibility. But it's uh, interesting by itself. Tanahashi beat Hiroki Goto, which a lot of us thought. I already said that. He will be going against Sean Moxley for the AEW title. And, uh, you know, uh, let's see. Uh, I, I believe um, within it, uh, Carl, Carl Anderson uh, won the um, Open Weight Championship. There was a lot of matches. It was a. Pretty good main event. I didn't get a chance to see everything else besides that. What did you think about Dominion? And what do you think specifically about Jay White now being the champion? What is that going to do to the title picture? And it's specifically for Forbidden Door. Yeah, so I've only gotten to think about this. I, I mean, I just watched this this morning. So it, with Jay White winning the title... Uh, I think it's a li- it's a kind of a weird decision for New Japan just because he's only really been back there for a month. Um, and, uh, you know, if you were going to pull the trigger on someone, maybe I would have done Will Ospreay since I, I at in storyline is more deserving. He's been getting screwed over by refs. Uh, and that's been a storyline for a while. But, uh, you know, Jay White is champion and Carl Anderson winning the Never Open Championship. It makes me wonder if they're going to, tried to stack title belts on Bullet Club to set up something against the Elite, um, which was one of our predictions for Forbidden Door is that they'll do some kind of group battle. Uh, maybe they want the, those cats all coming in with championships. If, if I'm Adam Page 
uh, and I come out to cut this promo after hearing the Jay White promo. He's like, I don't care that you won the title. It was never about the title. I won Okada. You're no one. <laughs> Just get the fucking heat. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, to me, it was a little weird choice to go with Jay White. And uh, I wouldn't say that he necessarily got jobbed on Impact because he got some wins against, you know, Saban and Alex Shelley and had some really great matches there. But uh, was definitely not guy really and wasn't utilized that way um anderson and gallows could maybe pick up the ring of honor or not the ring of honor but the uh, impact tag titles basically the bullet club has with jay white being champion and now the never open weight championship being on carl anderson they might do something where they stack a bunch of titles on them and throw them against the elite uh, just to get as many guys on the show as possible but uh, the other option would be a, a four-way match, which has been kind of teased with Jay White, uh, Adam Cole, and uh, Adam Page, and Okada in like kind of a four-way. I don't know if it necessarily needs to be for the title, though. Uh, the one thing I will say about that main event is, like, like you were saying, Red Shoes gives a lot of leeway in general for the title matches, and that's kind of just been an ongoing thing for his character. So I'm not going to give him too much shit, but holy hell, Okada had to basically fight two guys the entire time. They they went very WWE with how Jay White won this match, and I don't necessarily know that that's the best for Jay White going forward in general. Yeah, it was an interesting way of going about it, but uh, still a good match. Uh, nonetheless, uh, just... Completely bewildered when Okada lost to Jay White, but we'll see where they go from. Uh, like I said, if it's a four-way, it'll be a good match. If it's Okada versus Page, and Page is more in it to go against Okada, and then that kind of sets up Adam Cole calling out Jay White, that'll be also cool. But, and I love that Zack Sabre Jr. You know, set a promo calling out Brian Danielson. That'll be a great match. But I think a lot of us wrestling fans. Just wanted Okada and Brian Danielson, you know, but that's not happening. So hopefully that will happen soon in the future. And uh, I still will love uh, Okada in that four-way, him against Page, or Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. Those will be great matches. I'm just saying personally how I feel about it. But we had a lineup for the G1 tournament. I, I do want to uh, say real quickly before we move on from Dominion, the Tanahashi Roku Goto match was not the level of normal Tanahashi, and that kind of makes me worried going into this big pay per view. I don't know if they're going to give him some time off or what, but I've, I've seen those guys have a million fucking matches at this time, and this was not good. Not terrible, but just not the level of what you would think of when you think Goto versus the ace. Um, and the fact that he's going to be headlining a pay-per-view against Moxley. So I'm uh, curious to see if they throw in some kind of weird stipulation or if like I, Tanahashi may just be banged up. I, I don't, I don't know, but it, it was not one of his best matches, especially not against Goto. I think you could probably go back and find six or seven matches that were better. Uh, the Carl Anderson match was pretty good. Interesting choice, making him the never open weight champion. I wonder if he's going to bring that over to impact. And uh, the Yano Dot Gallows match was fucking terrible. Like, minus five stars is 
Ryan Alvarez has famously said in the past. It was it was really bad. And it's kind of, especially, I know that you kind of hate Yano's joke matches. Well, you'll double hate this because fucking, it's mm. also Gallows basically channeling whatever that bullshit uh, joke wrestling pay-per-view he does in a match with Yano, essentially. And it was really bad. Well, that's good. I don't think I'll watch that, but, <laughs> uh, you know, here's the question. Depending on what's going to happen, especially with Punk being gone, we also know that Tanahashi told Punk that, you know, if they don't end up getting to have a match uh, with all of this happening, he would love for him to go against him at uh, Wrestle Kingdom next year, which is pretty cool. Is there a chance, especially with Jay White just taking the title from Okada, that they could be having an AEW guy possibly positioned as the IWGP, whether it be Adam Cole or Adam Page, and then also Tanahashi, you know, regardless if it's a tray back or just by itself, Tanahashi actually beating, you know, John Moxley and becoming the AEW World Championship champion. Is do you think that's a possibility, or is this kind of like set in stone? What's going to happen with those two matches? If one of them is a four-way, I should say. I think it's a possibility that you could have a New Japan guy win an AEW title. It, Tanahashi might be a good example just because he's been doing a lot of stuff with New Japan Strong. So he's already been spending a lot of time in America. I don't know if you'll have Okada fucking win the title in AEW or anything just because I, you know, he's going to be a full-time New Japan guy regardless. Um. I don't – with New Japan, if they were going to put the IWGP title on someone to transition between shows, I would think it would be Hangman just because he, he had a really good New Japan run and they trust him. It's going to be – I'm going to assume, just going a limb here, since Wrestle Kingdom's three fucking nights now, that we're going to get up maybe one night that is just AEW versus you know New Japan for Wrestle Kingdom. I just think it's amazing that there is a possibility that Adam Page could potentially win if there is a four-way, and then Tanahashi could potentially win against Shawn Moxley. That would shake shit up, show an alliance between the two companies, and uh, be very interesting. So we'll find out, you know, at the uh, Forbidden Door pay-per-view. But if not, I mean, if if Jay White goes and wins it, or if the only person that beats him somehow is Okada. And then we have Moxley beating Tanahashi. It's kind of, I don't know, predictable. That's the only thing that sucks about it. Yeah, and I don't, you know, the other thing is it's not the matches people really wanted to begin with. So, I've, I've, you know, Ace and, and Moxley, I'm sure, will have a, a great match. But they'd been building that story for a long time, so we knew we were going to get that. Um, people, I think, really would have definitely preferred to see Punk versus Okada, with maybe without the titles, regardless of how they got there. Um, it's, how do you, it's interesting. How do you feel potentially about Danielson versus uh, Zack Sabre Jr.? Oh, it'd be a fucking great match, and I think Danielson's openly talked about wanting to face Zack Sabre Jr. Right in the past, yep. so I'm sure they'll have something really cool. I, if I had to compare it to something, at least people on the AEW roster, that will be that would be very similar to like Danielson versus Kyle O'Reilly, 
right? It, it's going to be a, a similar style match, but it, it, it'd be fucking great, especially if they give them like New Japan 30 minutes to put on a match. I'm sure, it'll be fucking awesome. It's like it's like a Billy Robinson against like you know a Carl Gotch or a Danny Hodge type of concept. I love it. Two technical brutes. You know, and I'm sure we'll see some crazy ass limb bending if that does happen. And if you're not going to have Danielson against Okada, that's still a fucking awesome match to put on the uh, pay-per-view. If Brian is fine by the pay-per-view, which is not confirmed or not yet. So we'll find out. Right. And uh, I mean, if he's not going to be OK, there, I mean, there's a ton of stuff you could do with Danielson in general just because his tag partners locked up in the main event. So. I, yeah, I don't know. A lot of our predictions for what Forbidden Door was going to be kind of went out the window when Punk got hurt. Well, let's see. Let's go over, uh, you know, you were talking about it earlier. The lineup for the G1 Climax was presented last night. It will feature Kazuchika Okada, Tamatanga, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Filthy Tom Lawler, new to it, uh, Jonah Rock, new to it, uh, Yoshihashi, Hiroki Goto, Toru Yano, Tomohiro Ishii, uh, Jeff Cobb, Great O'Conn, Will Ospreay, uh, Aaron, Aaron Henry, uh, Shingo Takagi, Sonata, Tetsuya Naito, Jay White, the champ, Evil, Kenta, Yuhiro Takahashi, Bad Luck Folly, Chase Owens, Juice Robinson, Tai Chi, Zack Sabre Jr., returning from AEW, Lance Archer, David Finley, and El Fantasmo. So ELP. Um, I told you. I, did, uh, did, is Okada on the list for the G1? I may have missed it as you were running it down. Yeah, he was the first name I said. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So this is, uh, I mean, I told you, this is very standard. And uh, like, I love that Jonah's going to be involved. Tom Lawler's, that's awesome for him. Uh, Lance Archer. Lance Archer being the only AEW guy, especially I know that it might be because of what happened with Brian Danielson, but he wanted to be a part of the G1 this year. So that kind of sucks if that was what happened. But Lance, I love Lance. He's been a part of this tournament before, but him being the only representation from AEW, no one from Impact. I thought the Super Juniors lineup uh, for their division with the extra guys was a little bit more impressive than this, but I am excited for Tom. Uh, Filthy Tom Lawler to be a part of this. Jonah Rock, Lance Archer. It will be a fun tournament. Jonah is now kind of like the... Uh, also another person, Big Damo, has been over there, and I love him to be a part of this as well. Uh, but Jonah Rock, he's going to do his inner Bam Bam Bigelow. We all know Lance Archer basically is kind of like the Bruiser Brody, if you will, of, of, of the group of, of craziness. Uh, and all the standard guys that are part of it should be a good tournament. Like I said, I'm a little disappointed on the extra recruitments, Chris, compared to the Super Juniors. Yeah, it would have been nice to get, even if, you know, guys that aren't necessarily getting utilized that much on AEW that have a pass there. Um, like Trent Beretta being in the tournament, I think would have been cool. Um, or, you know, even some of the Ring of Honor cats that, I know they're tied up with the Samoa Joe storyline to some extent, but it would have been fun to see, you know, Jay Lethal or just Samoa something Joe. different. Samoa Joe would have been cool. You know, if, if 
with the the guys that you have from Ring of Honor that aren't necessarily highly featured right now with what you're building towards, I don't see a reason why they didn't try to recruit some of those cats to New Japan. Or, um, what about the champ, uh, Jonathan Gresham? You you think that he wouldn't be amazing in this? It would be awesome. That's all I gotta say. Not you specifically, I, but like in general. Yeah, no, I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. That's that's basically what I was getting at. Is there's a lot of cats that they're not doing anything with from that Ring of Honor roster that Tony bought. That this would be a good way to highlight them, um, without kind of disrupting what you're trying to do on your day to day TV product. Uh, so it's kind of weird not to see a lot of AEW guys there. Um, but Jonah Rock, Jeff Cobb, fucking <laughs> filthy Tom Lawler. That's that's some mean ass Americans in the G1 tournament. I'm kind of excited about that. I mean, it's a, the the like Tom Lawler versus Naito. Are we gonna get that? That that'll be fun. I'm more curious to see what the how the blocks kind of set up because there's definitely some matches there that I I want to see. And uh, with Okada just dropping the title and Naito just coming back, those would be the two that I think they're gonna you know. One of those two would be my predictions of whoever's going to win this thing. But I would note that Jeff Cobbs had a really good run in New Japan as of late and had a really, really good run in last year's G1. So if I had to make like an outside pick, he might be uh, the outside winner of G1. But it's probably going to end up either being Naito or Okada. I think the tournament, it's a, it's a nice lineup. There's some definitely some good match potential there. It's G1, so all these guys are going to do their absolute best in general. There's so much respect for that tournament. But, I, I, yeah, I was a little disappointed that we didn't get a, more interaction. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's because they're going to save it up. For Like I said, like New Japan is also going to have like a Forbidden Door pay-per-view where they're going to do you know, one night of Wrestle Kingdom that is a crossover. And if they do that, I hope that we get... Uh, the AEW women's roster versus the stardom roster to some aspects. So that would be awesome. I guess only, I guess only time will tell. All right. Well, before we leave dominion, was there anything else that you'd like to uh, say, you know, that happened on the pay-per-view since I only got to see the main event and read about it. Anything else before we move on? I wouldn't have had Naito lose his first match back, even though it was just a three-way match. Yep. Or, uh, a, you know, it's a, a three tag, three man tag team match. Sorry. Uh, I, I wouldn't have had him lose right off the bat. And I also wouldn't have had Sonata lose uh, after coming. Yeah. Back. Why? Why the fuck did he lose? That was very, very strange to me as well. Well, Chris, we have another uh, big, uh, you know, world champion change last night. NWA had their always ready pay-per-view. And uh, aside from some good matches, Camille retained her championship. But the main over uh, Kylie King, who's awesome, glad they have her involved. But uh, the main thing happened where at the end, Matt Cardona came out. Uh, he was reluctant to give up his championship. We already talked about him being injured. He's going to be out for about six months, if not longer. Uh, but Billy made him, and they kind of did an impromptu four-way match for the title between Nick Aldis, Tom Latimer, his old best friend, uh, Camille's husband, uh, Trevor Murdoch, the former champion, and a new 
prospect, the former Dexter Loomis, Sam Shaw. Um, and within this, I told you I was very surprised. Trevor Murdoch is now a two-time NWA world champion. I don't know. I would have put it either back on Aldis so that when, you know, I mean, he's just reliable. This is good for Trevor, and I love his story. I just think that, you know, between Aldis or a Sam Shaw, who has been on NXT and Impact, is pretty well-known, has built himself up, uh, even though he was released as their Dexter Loomis character. It would just be a new person to put it on. Um, didn't see Tom winning, but that's fine. Uh, I'm just surprised Trevor won, but he's going to have the title now, and we'll see what happens. And once Matt Cardona comes back, uh, he will be going for that title against whoever has it, whether it be Trevor or someone that takes it off of Trevor. But, you know, I, I like Trevor Murdoch. Do you think that it was a good idea between him, Tom Latimer, Nick Aldis, and Sam Shaw to put it on him for the time being? I, I would love to think the only reason they didn't put it back on Aldis is they really want to save him and Matt Cardona for a big title moment. Um, I'm okay with Trevor Murdoch winning it. I did not get a chance to watch any of this pay-per-view because I was watching Dominion at <laughs> 7, 8 o'clock this morning. Uh, Me so. either, and I wasn't watching Dominion at 7 or 8 this morning. But I, I also did not get a chance to watch it, honestly. But I, you know, I have no problem with them putting back on Trevor Murdoch. I'm with Sam Shaw being in that main event. It would make me think they're probably going to do Trevor Murdoch versus Sam Shaw, Dexter Loomis, I guess, whatever you want to call him. But uh, it would make me think they're probably going that route going forward. And I, I don't know what they're going to do with Nick Aldis in the meantime. I do just quickly want to say. Uh, Nick Aldis was on Wrestling Observer Live, and it was an absolute great interview. And uh, everyone should go check that out. It was, it was really good shit. And I love that guy. Nick, Al Nick Aldis, uh, the way he presents himself, his wrestling style, his poise, uh, how he is as a heel. I mean, I know they both have Nick in the name, but I mean, I, I really think that he is like the modern uh, Nick Bockwinkle in a lot of ways. And I think he's great. I think he's also someone that you could – I just would have had the championship on him and let him run until Matt comes back and then let Matt take it back from him or whatever the fuck you want to do. Uh, but Trevor's great. I don't know. Uh, just just my opinion personally. Yeah, they could be doing you know maybe some transitional swaps until Cardona gets back there. He could have – Trevor have to go through Sam Shaw and then Nick Aldis get a title match and win the title right as Cardona is coming back. And I, I think you'll still get to the same story. It is a little odd, but, you know, Murdoch was really fucking popular as the NWA champion there for a while. So um, you, you almost, also, I guess. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was going to say that you almost want like Trevor Murdoch, since he's like Harley's protege to go against Cody since he's uh, Dusty's, you know, son, uh, just for that whole concept. Sucks. That's, I mean, honestly, if Cody was in WWE, I would have put that shit on Cody immediately if I was Billy Corgan. But obviously that's not an uh, option. But I still do love Trevor. You know, he's do, do you think the there's a, do you think there's an opportunity? Obviously Cody's hurt, but do you think, because Nick Aldis, 
uh, was talking about their Ring of Honor match. Do you think that because NWA is kind of outsiders and everything that's happening, Forbidden Door, et cetera, do you think there's room for WWE to do something like that? Like bring in a Nick Aldis or a Matt Cardona as the NWA champion and put them against Cody? I would love that. Telling the story of Dusty Rhodes. I would love that, but I think that that story ended with Cody winning it, even though he lost to Nick Aldis again. You know, he's gotten the title his dad did have, the heavyweight title that was, you know, the one that he needed to get to be able to be on that same level as his father. That was the story they had, and I loved it. Um, Now I think it's just shifted to the title that his dad couldn't get with the WWE title since his dad obviously beat Billy Graham, but it was in, you know, a DQ sort of way, and uh, he didn't actually get the championship because of that, because of a countout. So uh, I think that I would love some interaction between the two. And I think Billy Corrigan, for what he has as far as superstars, wrestlers on his uh, you know program, he does a damn good job. But I, I think Vince would and Nick Khan would tell him to fuck off really for any interaction between the two, unfortunately. Yeah, I I could I could see Matt Cardona coming in with the NWA title just to do something because there's you know he was a great worker there in WWE for a long time and doesn't have too hard of feelings for leaving WWE like he didn't actually come out and absolutely bury it but you could do something really interesting with him and Cody and they're both friends and that's kind of what made me think of it is I love the idea they could do some kind of cool cool little even if it's just one match, I don't think we'll get like a full Forbidden Door type pay-per-view, but it, I think it would be good for NWA to get their champion on WWE's product. And uh, I well, think a th- lot of WWE fans would like just any kind of crossover with anyone, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, instead of crossing over with MLW, they get sued by them for fucking them over. And now apparently uh, Stephanie might have been involved with some of that. It might have been one of the reasons that a lot of people are not talking about of why she took the leave of absence. So uh, interesting stuff. Uh, WWE doesn't like to play ball with other companies. I mean, look at Progress. They just fucking ate them up. <laughs> look at look at uh, Evolve. I mean, what the fuck? Ugh, Gabe's supposed to get let, let go from the company, so it wasn't even like a point to buy out it. It was just like them throwing their dick around, basically. Because Vince has got huge balls. I think they – I want to know what kind of the promises they made Gabe Sapolsky when he sold Evolve because there was rumors that they were going to start a WWE Network show that Gabe was going going to run. It was going to be NXT Evolve, and he was going to be basically what this show is but better run to be a warm-up and more of a starter point for wrestlers to then go to NXT – to then go from NXT to WWE. But, you know, what they're doing and, and, and the numbers they're doing, it's so amazing because they're way fucking less than what NXT was pulling against an opposing AEW threat. But, of course, that was all a fucking great idea to get rid of the black and gold band, brand, get rid of takeovers. And, I mean, we could talk about it. I'm glad that uh, Braun Breaker won, but that NWA pay-per-view is kind of a joke outside him winning. And then the, uh, the Creed brothers winning the tag titles. Uh, God, that fucking, what the hell happened to NXT, Chris? 
that was my favorite fucking show. It was so good. And now to see what the hell it became. The fact that it had the sleeping girl going against Mandy Rose for the fucking women's title is a joke. Like, what the hell is going on over there? Yeah, it's... Put Braun Breaker on Raw or SmackDown. Get him out of that fucking shit. <laughs> I know that they just did it in the NXT 2.0 reset, but they need a fucking 3.0. And maybe actually letting Gabe Sapolsky do it if you're just going to use all new talent wouldn't be the worst idea. Um, I they're, like... Dude, they're, they're killing certain people, though. Like Cameron, Cameron Grimes is awesome. They made him shave everything, and now no one gives a fuck about him. Um... Brian Breaker's awesome. Joe Gacy is a wannabe Bray Wyatt. Sorry. Not sorry. So why the fuck is he going against the champion? Just so many questions. <laughs> Carmelo Hayes won against, uh, uh, against uh, whatchamacallit, uh, God damn it, Cameron Grimes, which is, I like Carmelo a lot. I think he has a shitload of potential within the industry, uh, especially WWE, but, I mean, most of it was dog shit. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I do like what they've been doing with Legato Del Fantasma and the story of well, his now group being absolved. Yeah, now now they're a part, you know, because they had to do, uh, what the hell is that musical? West Side Story, basically, you know, the uh, Hispanics <laughs> versus the Italians. And now they're under Tony. Dude, I'm sorry, but Legato Del Fantasma, whatchamacallit, El Fantasma himself is so much more talented for all the shit that they're making him do as this new fucking character, Santos Escobar. I, just, I don't know. It's amazing. I think this is this is kind of a... It could be a really cool story, though. The only thing is, like, NXT has let us down a lot recently, but the, the idea of Santos Ex- Escobar getting sent away from this group and having to fight, like, a group of, you know, his ex-friends in this... Italian mafia type deal. That's a kind of cool storyline. I don't know if they're going to do that, but I think, you know, that'd be awesome. You make a big baby face out of Santos and then send him to the main roster. He's been ready for the main roster for a long time, but also it's NXT and I have no fucking idea what they do (laughs) in that company. That would be like if me or you booked it, (laughs) which is not, that's, that's not what they're going to (laughs) do. So, it's funny. It's it's become like, please pull Io Shirai, Cameron Grimes, Santos Escobar, and Braun Breaker, pretty much, and put them on the main product because we don't want to see them at that fucking thing anymore. And uh, everything else. Like, I like the Creed Brothers. They had a good match against Pretty Deadly. They won the titles. And apparently there's a rumor, Chris, that they might since they're having problems with uh, Roderick Strong, obviously Stokely Hathaway is not a part of NXT. He got let go. And we know that he's on AEW as Malcolm Bivens, or, or vice versa. Malcolm Bivens is now Stokely Hathaway like he was beforehand. Either way, there's a rumor that the Creed brothers are going to be uh, positioned with Braun Breaker as like a trio. So... <laughs> Why? Braun, Braun, Braun Breaker... <laughs> Braun Breaker and what they're trying to do as the new Steiner brothers are going to be positioned together, if you will, as a babyface unit, which I'm fine with. But it's still it's it's kind of funny because you have the son of one of the Steiners and now he's going to be in charge of a babyface Steiner brothers like group with the Creed brothers. And I like the Creed brothers. 
they're a little dangerous uh, because they're stiff as fuck. But then again, I guess that's what the Steiner brothers were known for. I mean, everyone tells you if there's two teams that you get the ass, you know, beating the shit out of basically was LOD and the, the Steiners back in the day. So, but uh, yeah, that's the rumor going around that the Cree brothers and uh, Brown Breaker might be a unit. So I guess it's like a, a Goldberg and the Steiner brothers type of thing. That's what they're going for. It's, it's, Bruce Pritchard. I, 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 I hope this is very hot in the microphone. Bruce Pritchard, fuck you. Get Sean to run that shit. Sorry. Sorry. Anyways, <laughs> that was you came in real hot on that one. Um, <laughs> I just don't understand why the fuck you would do that. Braun Breaker's your breakout star. He doesn't need two people near near him at all. <laughs> really, just know. let the guy fucking let the guy just continue to demolish people and then bring him to the main roster. Uh, I, I I like the Creed brothers. I have no problem with the Creed brothers. I just like that's a that would be a fucking weird choice if they do that. Um, I would you know Walter is a perfect example of sometimes that group brought him down even though that they they were a great tag team. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because we're not going over SmackDown, but uh, Walter did, and they had a great fucking match actually. Uh, he beat Ricochet and is now the new Intercontinental Champion. Um, they let Ricochet have one of the best matches he's had in a long time and, uh, one of the longest matches he's had in a long time, but he lost inevitably to Walter. Uh, I would definitely recommend going to watch it if you're a wrestling fan. And now Walter is the IC champ. Do you think that's a, a, a good idea to put on him? I think it's an awesome idea if you're going to have Roman Reigns gone for a significant amount of time and not immediately taking those titles off of him because this is – me and you kind of talked about this. This is the perfect time to rebuild the IC title as a important fucking thing like Macho Man holding the IC title, for instance. Uh, I think this is a great or, moment to do that. Or maybe Steamboat or Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back when it was but, cool, Kurt Henning, Bret Hart, and now no one gives a shit about the IC title. Nope. <laughs> but this is a time where you could do putting it on Walter if they want to have some really good matches and have a big scary guy. They could have a good run with the IC title and then maybe eventually have the Macho Man uh, Hogan kind of explosion thing. Him and Roman having a match together. Fuck yeah, I'm down with that. Title versus title. That'd be cool. Uh, I do feel bad for this match in general because when it was announced, I was like, I wish this was three or four years ago just because of what they've done with Ricochet. I wish it was on a pay-per-view because they had a great match and it would have been helpful for both of them if this was on an actual pay-per-view, but it's just on SmackDown for free. Free 95, which will be a uh, running thing when it comes to not only WWE and you know, when we normally cover it, but also AEW for Dynamite. Um, but yeah. Man, it looks, it sounds like we bang on NXT so much. And, and the reason we do it is not because we don't want the show to be good, or at least this is how I feel when we talk about it. It's not that we don't want the show to be good. We're just so goddamn disappointed in comparison to what it used to be. Absolutely. All right, before we move on to talking more specifically about Cody and the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view, and then we're going to talk about Dynamite and get out of here, 
Real quick, me and you both had a chance to watch uh, Jeff Jarrett on uh, Steve Austin's uh, Broken Skull. Um, you know, not podcast anymore, actual WWE show. And Chris, I got to say, I found it very informative. But uh, I think the honesty about certain things might not have been there to the full extent. You know, you have Austin and him like acting like, I don't know why the hell we weren't friends. It was very well known the problems Austin had with Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> they kind of briefly talked about the pay shit with his father back when he worked for the company and Austin having to eat potatoes. But they didn't really go into how Austin felt about Jeff Jarrett and having to work with him and how he basically flat out told him, no, I'm not going to fucking work with him. Like, you know, now I'm on top, blah, 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 blah. Which, no, you know, understandable for Austin. And also, I know they can't bring up Deborah, but that being also another thing, or the fact that Jarrett was paired with her and they were dating at the time in WWE, there was a lot of resentment towards them. They didn't even go over, even though Jeff Jarrett has talked about it on his podcast, him holding up Vince McMahon for money, basically, and that being the reason why Vince was like, you know, basically doing a shoot promo once he bought WCW against Jarrett, didn't even go into any of those details. It was all like, well, it didn't happen like that. And uh, it's amazing how WWE can approach certain things and rewrite history. But we all know the real fucking details. Either way, it's crazy that Jeff Jarrett is one of the head people now working with Vince, basically in <laughs> Road Dogg's old position. And now we have his mate Jarrett's <laughs> Once again, with Vince McMahon since 1994, when his father fucking Jerry almost took over the company for Vince during the the, uh, the steroid trial. So, once again, Jeff is on a top position. Uh, I love that Effie called him out recently about you know thanks for running. That that's hilarious because of their GCW shit. But uh, in general, what do you think about it? It was good. It was informative, but it kind of missed a lot of uh, key stuff. Conveniently. Yeah, they skipped over the a lot of reason why those two guys had heat against each other. And it's been talked about to death, I guess, over the years. But, you know, when they brought Jeff Jarrett back and gave him the IC run that he had, he, he cut a shoot promo on Stone Cold Steve Austin that was not – like his name was not supposed to be dropped in the same breath and, and try to build a storyline with Stone Cold. And yeah, Stone Cold was like, no, fuck that guy. He's like way beneath me. And at the time, Jeff Jarrett was fucking way beneath <laughs> Steve Austin. So the fact they didn't even address like something like that that actually did play out Dude, on the show itself they- – <laughs> They fucking showed the promo and literally cut out the parts where he's basically badgering Austin for the 316 promo and saying how that that's completely against religion, what he's doing, based essentially. Yeah, they uh, they definitely fucking uh, went rose-colored glasses <laughs> on this, and they didn't talk about impact enough. And the fact that, you know, that... Jeff Jarrett did go start probably the bi- uh, biggest competition WWE has had up until AEW. You know, like they, they didn't, I mean, they kind of danced around it, but they didn't really talk about uh, the king of the mountain himself, Jeff Jarrett, in the way that I, 
I think should be talked about. I mean, Jeff Jarrett's run in both WWE and WCW is kind of laughable to what he was able to accomplish in impact and his run in impact as the king of the mountain stuff. Like his, his work in impact was to me better than anything he's really done outside of the Memphis territory. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a fun interview. Jeff and Stone Cold talking to each other, listen to that for fucking days. And I think while I was watching it, I texted you and I was like, I, I wish that this was years ago on the Unleashed Steve Austin podcast. Because they would have gotten into yeah. more details about everything around this. They probably could have squashed whatever beef they had, and it would have been it would have been more fun to hear those two guys talk and in realistic in a more compared to yeah this. a more candid yeah a more candid type thing. But I you know I get why they did it with you know Jeff. He's in a power position in the company now. It's crazy to think about. He's the what head promotion officer of TV and pay per views. He's he's over <laughs> Triple H. <laughs> I, I was kidding with you. I was kidding about this yesterday. I was like, Jeff Jarrett's the only man that can get fucking fired into a promotion. <laughs> like, how the hell does that happen? He went and from let me a also road agent. Over, <laughs> I, I uh, recently rewatched his match with Sean again because of that and just seeing the highlights. Jeff Jarrett's one hell of a fucking in-ring worker. We interviewed him. I would definitely recommend just Googling Wrestling Geeks Alliance, Jeff Jarrett. We had a probably one of my favorite interviews I've ever had. Period. Uh, before he won the Hall of Fame, one of the greatest. I mean, he. I, I get it. He learned from Jackie Fargo and fucking Jerry Lawler how to throw a punch. But besides that, he goes toe to toe with Shawn Michaels in the IC Championship match at King of the Ring. That's a fantastic fucking match. Um, really is. So, great uh, in ring performer this match for one reason. Where Sean takes this fucking bump where he does, like, he lay, he just shoots straight up in the air on his head without using his hands. And it looks goddamn ridiculous, but it's so good. It's such a good fucking match. Jeff Jarrett's one hell of a worker, for sure. Yeah, he really is. And, I mean, one of my favorite things I asked him, obviously, was uh, what was it like working with Shawn Michaels in his prime and also AJ Styles in his prime. And... I'll I'll take credit every fucking time I get a chance to. You know, he just I was like it's like the Michael Jordan and also LeBron James. And when he made his uh his speech, it's weird, Chris. He brought out the fact that Shawn Michaels considered the uh Michael Jordan of wrestling. Uh, I don't know if if I caused that, if I if I should like claim that, but just weird <laughs> timing based on our interview. It definitely it definitely was a, a wink, wink, nod, nod. I think he likes the Georgia boys as far as we need to get. Well, let's try to get a WWE Jeff Jarrett on the podcast again because that would be I would really, love really to. Fun. Good guy to interview. Uh, one hell of a wrestler. Great fucking interview with, with Stone Cold, even though they forgot to go into certain things. But uh, definitely check it out. Any last words? Yeah. It, yeah. The only thing is I wish they would have spent more time on Impact and talking about Impact and the fact that, you know, he built a company <laughs> and a lot of the roster <laughs> has ended up on WWE to some extent, the bigger names, um, your AJ Styles and Samoa Joes of the world. So I, it would have been fun to just have them talk about that a little bit more, but it's a one hell of a fun, it, it's a really good interview. It's just 
very WWE. I kind of expected a little bit more because they let, you know, Jericho and a few others talk about at length other things that they were involved in. Um, but it was, it's just cool to see in general watching Stone Cold and Jeff Jarrett shoot the shit. I could watch that all day, even if they were talking about fucking hunting or football, <laughs> et cetera. So I, I definitely recommend watching it for God damn. Well, goddamn, shit happens. All right, well, let's, uh, you know, talk about the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. I mean, this was Cody's night, basically, <laughs> uh, in the main event. And uh, I, uh, I have to say, for all the people that think that they're self-doctors or what the fuck ever, Cody had a really hard uh, thing to, you know try to try to do uh between the fact that he was extremely fucked up on one arm could barely hold any weight um because of the injury that he got that apparently originally happened in the brawl that him and seth had and then like that was a partial tear he didn't realize and then completely tore when he was working out and just doing some curls uh beforehand i don't exactly know what's true what's not true but if you see the bruising in the uh, the match itself, uh, it's pretty intense. Cody is a badass. I understand that a lot of people perceived it as he should not have this match because of this, but I believe from several doctors outside of it, one that was on um, uh, what the hell, Dave LaGreca's show. Uh, God dang it. Um, one of the wrestling shows. I'll, I'll probably busted open. Like I said, I was I probably re- will remember it. They, they talked to a doctor and essentially they told Cody, look, you can have the match. It's not going to do any extra damage. It's already off the bone. It's just going to be extremely painful. Now what, uh, one of the things that even though Cody did a great job, it's not so much him at this point. It's actually Seth because of the fact that he doesn't have, he can't hold people as well as he used to and stuff like that. There's no strength on that arm. So if anything, it was actually against Seth Rollins, in my opinion, of who can be potentially hurt from the situation. And uh, the reaction that people had when Cody, including me, watching it, uh, but in audience of the arena when he took off his jacket and showed the just bruising from his arm to his chest, that was one hell of a performance, man. That's That was an incredible match. Uh, knowing how much pain he was in, him and Seth pulled off a miracle. And uh, Cody knew that they were in the only Hell in a Cell match on the fucking Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Uh, everyone was expecting their match to be awesome based on their last two. And uh, he said... He said he made his own decision. He cut this promo afterwards that's online. Great promo. He made this decision himself and still wanted to perform for all the uh, people out there. And uh, just kudos to him because he didn't have to do this. He could have said, fuck it. And he still performed a great match. And then the next night set up the feud for the future. And I thought that was also great. But took a lot of damage, a lot of hits 
Because if you are exposed like that, your opponent needs to go for that section. It would be stupid if he didn't. And Seth did. And uh, I'm sure they worked it out so it wasn't as painful as it looked as much as they could. But still, Cody gave one of the best wrestling you know, performances in his life. And I told Chris this. His, his finesse might not be to the level of like a, a, a Kenny Omega or a fucking Seth Rollins personally. But my God, one of the best people to make matches. Like uh, when, it, when it comes to matchmakers, Cody's up there to me with Okada, with um, Walter. I'm not going to call him his fucking stupid name. Uh, and a lot of those other guys because he gets it. And he might not have to do a bunch of crazy stuff, but, man, he gets the audience into him. And the only thing I can say to the Chicago crowd was, fuck you with the table comp. Like, ugh. I hate having an adhering towards an audience for stuff like that, for, like, tables and shit. I think it's stupid. And uh, the fact that they all of a sudden went apeshit crazy for Seth when he got the table, it's like, god damn it, guys. But they went back to Cody in his defense, and they were all for him most of the time, and they had a great match. I just, I don't know. Do you think that he had to beat Seth? I think they could have had that where Seth beat him. I like what they did on Raw, but I'm just saying, you know, everything included, did Seth really have to lose, Chris? I don't think that Seth necessarily had to lose this match, but he did a fucking great job at losing this match. (laughs) Yes. And uh, C- Cody's been getting a lot of fucking praise and kind of what you were saying. It-, it takes two to fucking tango. And Seth Rollins had a fucking five-star match with a guy with one arm. Because <laughs> Seth Rollins, when he's at the top of his fucking game, is every good as anyone that we will name in a top list of wrestlers. And this was one of yep. those moments. Uh, he wasn't. Being kind of silly, crazy Seth Rollins, he came into this shit as a serious fucking heel. And there's an absolute great facial expression exchange between him and Cody in this match where Cody fucking tosses the bull rope at him. And Seth's like, fuck you, and puts it on. It's so good. Like they, They had some great moments in this match. And I would not be surprised if this goes down as match of the year just because of their mm-hmm. fucking storytelling and what they were able to accomplish. And yeah, a lot of it was based on Cody's injury, but you still had to fucking execute it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, Cody having a fucked up torn peck and, and having this great of a match, uh, I would like to remind people that Kenny Omega had a bum-ass shoulder and <laughs> three titles. <laughs> So let's not get crazy here, but it was one hell of a match. And I think there is an argument. If someone told me that Cody Rhodes is their top 10 favorite wrestler, best wrestler in their opinion, um, there's definitely an argument that could be made. I think my disappointment in Cody is what happened with him in AEW because he went from this same babyface that's being presented now and having incredible matches against his brother and even Hellenist like not Hellenist Hell, but cage match against Wardlow and his matches against MJF to me absolutely not wanting to see him <laughs> on the product for a while. So it it's I, I don't know what happened with AEW. There's gotta be more to this fucking story and 
one day I'm sure we will get a tell-all from Cody of what exactly happened. Um, cause this kitten have just been, at this point, there's no way I can believe that this is just a money thing. Uh, but Cody, Cody versus fucking Sammy, Cody versus Seth. This guy's out here trying to tell the world I'm pretty fucking good at wrestling. <laughs> Turns out. And I loved it. I loved it. Um, the people that were like, that's makeup. My wife saw that and she's a special effects <laughs> artist. She's like, oh, he's really fucked up. And I'm like, yep, he's really fucked up. It looked gnarly, dude. <laughs> and Ugh. as the match was happening, you, I was like, do you think after this match, Cody Rhodes is going to be like at Triple H pussy? <laughs> like, uh, from the famous Saudi Arabia match where Triple H tore his peck. That's, it's, it's just, it was absolutely incredible. And Cody finally hit the goddamn pedigree. And I popped so hard for that because he teased it in AEW for so long, and he's teed it, teased it in these Seth matches, and it was awesome. I mean, just great storytelling. And it, this match overshadowed a lot of shit that happened on this pay per view, but every top star that was on this pay per view went out and had themselves a fucking night. I thought there was a lot of really good fucking work on this pay per view, whether it was the uh, the women's title match or just shit AJ Styles was doing. Or Kevin Owens doing like a second rope moonsault, which we haven't seen in quite a while. Just like uh, they dialed the shit up to 11. So everyone on this uh, pay-per-view deserves a clap. And I think this is one of the best WWE pay-per-views I've seen in, in quite some time. And that includes WrestleMania. Yeah, and let's go over the, the, uh, the matches themselves. I thought the uh, opener with Bianca Belair, she uh, ended up. Pinning Oscar, but going against no, no, pinning Becky, <laughs> and uh, no, no, she defeated Oscar. Becky Lynch would lose to Dana Brooke on fucking Raw in the twenty four seven title. Not going to even actually get into that, but she she defeated Oscar in this three way. But all three women, it's like they were like, "Fuck this, we're going to make this an amazing three way match," even though it was like thrown together last minute. And they fucking killed it. I thought it was awesome, hard-hitting. I don't like what they're doing with Becky based on Raw. I don't think she should be anywhere near the fucking 24-7 title picture. And I don't think she should have lost to fucking Dana Brooke. Uh, No (laughs) offense to Dana. But, damn. What do you think about this opening match? I fucking love Dana, and I always put her over, but yeah, I'll, there's no way you should have Becky lose to Dana Brooke. Just Whoever did that, uh, smack in the face, honestly, if you're a writer. I, I'm friends with Dana, and we've talked on Twitter multiple times, but yeah, there's, no, there's absolutely no fucking way. And I'm sure Dana Brooke thought the same thing <laughs> when they were doing this meeting. All right, so we're going to have you beat Becky. And she's like, am I getting a title push? She's like, no, you already have a title. She's like, no, I mean an actual title push, because otherwise this doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh, but yes, these women's had one, uh, one hell, hell of a three-way title match. And uh, I think it could rival, I mean, if it wasn't for how fucking good the Cody match was, I think this would have been match of the night. And uh, there was a little bit of sloppiness where you could tell Oscar had to slow up for certain moves, and Becky had to slow up for certain moves. But that just kind of happens, and, and and you know, 
three-way matches in general to some extent. And uh, yeah, they had their self a fucking night. It was great. It was cool seeing Asuka back in full fucking form at a pay-per-view. And uh, it just makes me salivate at the fact that they're going to throw all of these women except for Bianca in a fucking Money in the Bank ladder match and Bayley's going to come back. And that should be fucking great. And hopefully they push Io Shirai up there in the Money in the Bank ladder match because I'm excited for that. I think that'll be fucking great. Absolutely, Will. All right, so after that match, I thought that was like the second best match of the night, period. But uh, really good opening match. But then we had Bobby Lashley going against Omas and MVP. And he beat MVP by submission in this. Uh, I loved MVP's uh, diss track <laughs> that they, uh, they showed uh, on the pre-show and beforehand. Pretty fucking funny. <laughs> MVP is actually... One line in- there's there's one line in the fucking diss track where he's like, I saved you from your ex-wife, which was a direct reference to Lana. Yep. So good. Good shit. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was great. But uh, Bobby Lashley won. He basically took Amos out uh, outside the ring and then grabbed MVP, put him in the uh, hurt lock and beat him. And uh, it seems like, based on Raw, that they're going to continue with the storyline. And I think both parties could use going in different directions. I just love that Bobby Lashley is getting a great reaction from the crowd. I don't know if I would be doing this to my new uh, giant, even though he didn't lose, but just in general. But, uh, yeah, what did you think about this match? I think the ship is sailed on Omos at this point. I think they're. I, mean, yeah. I think he obviously can get better, but they've they made some bad booking decisions with him. Uh, I was watching this match and I was like, I wish this was just an MVP Bobby Lashley match, because every time him and MVP were in the ring, it's like, oh, this is not bad. This is pretty good. Like yeah. MVP hits hits fucking Bobby with a haluva kick. And Lashley had one hell of a sell where he went ass over tea kettle over the turnbuckle. And a lot of people were like uh, giving MVP shit. And I think maybe the announcing could have been a little better on this and point out the fact, you know, MVP is a former intercontinental champion and uh, a world traveler. And his one title is kind of all over the world. They probably could have done a better job of talking about his wrestling prestige um, so that it made a little bit more sense. But uh, yeah, like that was my only problem is like, I wish this was just Bobby Lashley and MVP and you could have just told the same story, had them have their breakup without Omos being involved. Uh, Cause I don't think that, that, that this has helped Bobby Lashley or Omos really in, in, in the grand At scheme all. of things. No, I agree with you, but pretty good match. Um, they look like they're still going with this, but we'll find out. But uh, Bobby Lashley, very well received from the audience. And uh, he's one of those guys that has stepped up his game in the last couple of years uh, and become better than he ever was, basically, in the past when he was younger. So it's one of those cases. I would say Sheamus is another person like that. But uh, next match we had Kevin Owens, Ezekiel. Almost 10-minute match. 
And guess who won? Kevin Owens. We talked about this. Comedy has been great. Kevin Owens has helped this whole entire thing out. Chris, where the fuck is this going? Because it's not leaving anytime soon based on Raw. I I don't know, man. I think they just like tossed up a, a like an alley-oop on that with the whole Kevin Owens continuing the storyline. I think the idea was it was going to be done and they were going to start doing the money in the bank build. But uh, obviously they don't know what what where the fuck they're going to go because I guess the idea was Cody was going to win money in the bank. So they could have told the story with him and Kevin and, and, and him, Kevin, and Seth. I, I, I think that's where they were going, and a lot of this shit had to just be written on the fly after Cody got injured. Um, I don't know why the hell he beat fucking Ezekiel clean, <laughs> like, without cheating in the center of the ring. So I don't know. There's a whole hell of a lot of story to tell there. Uh, I, I don't know that fans are really behind Ezekiel. I think they think Kevin Owens is fucking hilarious, but like this isn't like a we real like the fans aren't clamoring to see Elias win <laughs> against Kevin Owens. Really, it's just more that Kevin Owens is hilarious, and uh, he he was fucking great in this match. He did a lot of just simple shit. And then also turned his game up to 11 and shit we haven't seen in forever. Like the uh, second rope moonsault, which I put over. And uh, it didn't, he didn't he do a pop-up powerbomb on the apron at one point. Like he hit all of his Kevin Owens stuff and was the absolute best at the sh- eating the shit sandwich that WWE has provided him with. And uh, Ezekiel looked good here too, honestly. This is probably one of his better matches. And anytime Kevin Owens gets a chance, he really loves to rub in whatever the fuck he's doing (laughs) into the mic. Like him just yelling, you're a liar! (laughs) While he's got Ezekiel in a chin lock. It's good shit. He's he's so great. And uh, I hope we get him and Cody. Been kind of clamoring for that as soon as he showed up. Yeah, that that would definitely be an excellent match, for sure. Uh, Kevin's awesome; he always will be. Next match we had was the Judgment Day: Edge, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley going against AJ Styles, Finn Balor, and Liv Morgan in a six-person mixed tag team match. Match went a little bit over sixty minutes. <laughs> so Judgment Day won. Um, Pretty sure Edge got the win. I thought that actually Liv Morgan stood out in this match a lot. She's gotten better and better as an in-ring competitor. But this is more about what happened on Raw with this. (laughs) Because this group shows up on Raw talking about how great they are. Edge has Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley introduce the new member, which is Finn Balor. Lots been rumored about that. And then they show that the only weakness they have in their group is Edge. And then they all beat the shit out of him. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, they did everything. They they took the part in the chair and the cross face with it. They concerted him. They just beat the living hell out of him. So from what I hear about this, Chris, is they are now, because of Cody, 
and Randy Orton being both out kind of short on baby faces. So they're just throwing edge back as a baby face. And uh, I don't know if that's a smart thing. What I'm hoping with the introduction of the rumors that Bray Wyatt's coming back is that Bray will be behind this because I'm sorry, no offense to Finn. It uh, doesn't matter if you're demon. doesn't matter if, you know, Fergal Devitt, Prince Devitt was in charge of the, uh, you know, Bullet Club at one point. Uh, him, Damian Priest, Rhea Ripley, I just don't see his leaders. So they need someone behind them. And uh, I don't know who that is, but now Edge is back as babyface, I guess. It, I, I understand it's all from what's happening, from what you don't have anymore, but it was awkward. It was weird. I mean, Edge just formed this fucking group. So it did not make uh, you know sense to dissolve it, at least with a leader. And uh, they did that. And Finn, who got his ass kicked, was completely fine and joined this group and uh, all uh, smiles, if you will, <laughs> within this. Thought the match was good. I thought it made sense for them to win. Uh, I know they were limited with what they could do on Raw based on what happened. But I don't know if they did the right thing, Chris. Uh, the match I think I thought was fine. I will say the standouts in the match were AJ and uh, Rhea Ripley. They looked absolutely fucking incredible in this match. The, if you were going to do the storyline of you're the weakest link, why didn't you just have fucking AJ pin edge? And uh, from what I hear per Meltzer and a couple of other sources is Edge showed up on Monday. They presented where they're going to go with this group going forward, and it had some supernatural stuff in it, and Edge was like, nah, I'm not doing that, and that's why he's the babyface now. Oh. All right, so the rumors that Bray Wyatt might be involved with this, do you think that would make sense? It will, and I don't even think that this is like even a shot at – Edge at Bray Wyatt or anything. I just think Edge knows that whatever the hell they're going to do, if it's anything similar to what they've done with Alexa Bliss and Bray Wyatt, he probably just wants no fucking part of it at this point in his career (laughs) as a a WWE Hall of Famer. And I can't blame him for that. Well, damn. We'll have to see what happens from this, but uh, let's let's keep on continuing with the pay-per-view. Next, we have Matt Cap Moss going against Happy Corbin. No holds barred match. I'll say this. I think Happy Corbin going to the audience and then wanting a table and then going to grab it and then being like, yeah, fuck you. I'm not doing that twice was actually pretty good. I've always given Baron <laughs> Corbin his props on being a heel. I think he's a great fucking heel. I know that people say he has go away heat. I don't agree with that. I think that he just has heat because he's really good at his job. But that'll be a uh, difference between me and uh, other people's opinions on that. But Madcap uh, Moss, I agree with Jim Cornette. I agree with a lot of people that are assessing this. If he gets rid of the Madcap, I don't know if you have to go back to Riddick Moss or just change the name in general 
I think the guy has full potential to be a huge baby face in WWE. I really do. And I really don't understand the hate towards Happy Corbin. I don't really like this version of him compared to Broke Corbin, <laughs> honestly. But damn, Baron Corbin knows what to do to be a heel better than most, I would say, in WWE, honestly. And I know I'll get hate for that, but I'm just being honest. And uh, this match was fine. And, uh, you know, like I said, Madcap Moss won. So if if we were done with this, that would be great. Doesn't look like it. And uh, I hope Madcap becomes Riddick Moss because the whole Madcap thing's killing me for him personally. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where WWE thinks the name is over or something, and they're going to stick behind that as hard as they possibly can, which is kind of hilarious. I'm, it, it, when you're talking about doing a name change, WWE likes one name. Just call him Moss and get rid of the madcap. I completely agree with you on that. I don't know that I have as high of a ceiling for him as you do. I think he's fine. Um Baron Corbin has been disserviced by WWE for a long, long time. Most of the reason that people don't like Baron Corbin is just because WWE fucking books him terribly and has done it for years and has thrown him into situations where there's no outcome where anyone's going to like you. But he's one hell of a wrestler, and when he came in from NXT as the lone wolf, and when he was in NXT, he was really good then. He's a good in-ring worker, and like you said... Uh, he does all of the right heel shit when he is in the ring. Uh, the table shit was really, really funny. And the fact that Chicago popped for a heel pulling out a table after that and in the hell in the cell is just kind of points out Baron's pretty fucking good at his job. So basically he's fucking annoying uh, or the audience, I should say, is fucking annoying for wanting that. At least they didn't. Uh, at least they didn't start chanting CM Punk throughout multiple of <laughs> matches, etc. Which was my worry as soon as they said they were coming back to Chicago and Punk just won the title and now he's injured. Uh, I was kind of expecting more of that. So I will give Chicago crowd props at least on that. Is that you guys didn't go full fucking CM Punk chant? Guys didn't go full fucking douchebag. Good job. Um, yeah, let's, let's continue with the matches. All right. So next we have theory, formerly Austin theory. Can't go by the first name because stone cold, uh, I guess. Uh, but he went against Mustafa Ali. Mustafa Ali had a great look. Awesome. Uh, you know, attire. He was in Chicago, his home city. Everyone was behind him. And that's when I knew that obviously he was going to lose the match because it's Vince McMahon booking. Him and Austin Theory had a great match. And Austin won. And, uh, I mean, they they gave a lot of hope spots to Masafa Ali. They, they made it look like it was even keel, but this is a guy that, like, you know, called up the company not too long ago. So this is what's, what's going to happen. I just really feel like Masafa Ali, for being, you know, different ethnicity, 
and obviously being American born um, as a baby face because of the whole entire stupid concept of the heel group that he was a part of beforehand. I just think as a baby face, he has potential to be like a Ricky Steamboat in this company. And they don't see it. And I wish they let him go. Honestly, because he's really fucking talented. I was happy for a win for Austin Theory, but I wasn't happy for a a loss, I should say, uh, for, you know, Mustafa Ali. So, what are you going to do? I pretty much agree with you 100% on this. I think my only comment during this match to you as we were watching it was A-Town Town. (laughs) So, um... ATO, yeah. Hope. yeah, the whole the Mustafa Ali thing is so weird. Like, if you wanted, you would think if a company is going to lock you up and not let you just move along, they would have something in mind for you to do. Like, if you don't think the guy is there and it's it's not working for whatever your company is, then just let him go. WWE fires like a bazillion guys. How is Mustafa Ali the only one? <laughs> Did they want to punish him? I guess he should. No, I I really feel like he would have just got released. I, 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 yeah, (laughs) honestly, because I feel like it's like a Brody Lee concept where, since he did speak out, they want to fucking punish him for doing that. I think it's stupid too. Yep, and they had him eat shit in his hometown, which, you know, that's. That's kind of par for the course with WWE for the most part, but uh, yeah, this match, I expected this match to actually be better just because both guys in it are so great, but uh, I don't know. Maybe both of them were like, this finish is kind of shitty. The storyline was kind of thrown together. It, it, they basically just seemed like they weren't, either of them weren't happy with having this match, if that makes sense. No, that makes complete sense, honestly. All right. Well, uh, we had the last match. We've talked a lot about it, honestly. But Cody Rhodes defeated Seth Rollins by pinfall. Almost 30-minute match, longest match on the pay-per-view, 24 minutes and 21 seconds. And, uh, yeah, this was a great match. I'm sure that they probably had more in mind before Cody got fucking injured. But what they were able to come up with and do, I thought it was great. I thought Seth was great as a heel. Him taking out that kendo stick. Normally, I don't want fucking kendo sticks in the hell in the cell. It's a hat on a hat. But how he's needling the fucking, the, the bruises with it and smacking him. Seth was a great fucking heel. Him and Cody had an excellent match. I mean, they... For what Cody was dealing with, they performed really well, and Cody won. And I uh, still kind of question that concept. But then we had on Raw, Chris, we had Cody come out, make a great promo, very emotional, very similar to his dad, honestly, uh, Dusty, and showing such great emotion and such perseverance and saying that, who knows? You know what? If I'm healed up enough, maybe I'll go for the uh, money in the bank. That all being bullshit, because then Seth came out, wanted to shake his hand, say that his dad was was uh, proud of him, 
I think all that was legitimate and real between the two. And Cody started like, you know, crying a little bit. And then they shook hands and Seth, this is, it reminded me of Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels after Shawn beat him at WrestleMania and like they were hugging and you could tell like Chris Jericho was like, thank you so much, blah, 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 you know, just emotional. And then was like, all right, I'm going to kick you in the balls now. And that's exactly the same thing. Like, you know, something him embraced. I thought all that was real. Him giving him credit for, I, I might be one of, you know, Dusty's kids, but you are actually Dusty's son. And your dad would be proud of you. All that type of stuff was so good. And I know a lot of people weren't a fan, including Jim Cornette, of the after effect because they wanted Seth to go babyface. Maybe that would have helped him, but I don't know. Personally, to me, I feel like the heel side of Seth has never been as good as this presentation, the Hell in Cell match, and then what happened on Raw. And then, you know, when Cody's posing, we're at the ramp. Seth comes out with the fucking hammer. I'll call back to Triple H, who was a mentor to both guys, and just nails him and goes after that whole entire area and beats the shit out of him and, uh, you know, rips off his fucking shirt. And I thought Seth looked better in this for losing. And I thought Cody showed that he can get his ass beat right before he leaves to really make an impactful, uh, you know, entrance once he's fine. And I thought all this was good business, intelligent. I actually loved it. I thought it was one of the best things on uh, WWE wrestling in a long time. And uh, I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, how did you like the match and how did you like the after effect on Raw? I absolutely love the match. Like I said, this is probably going to be hard to beat for a match of the the year um, for me. We're, I'm going to have to see something really awesome. Uh, I'm going to have to see like a Kenny Omega Okada match or something that's going to top this uh, on down the line. Obviously, it's you know we're midway through the year, so we will see. But as of right now, I have this penciled as my number one match of the year, and uh, I thought it was fucking great. Monday when I watched it originally. I had the same thought as you did. Um, I thought I thought it was good storytelling. If you're going to keep Seth heel, it makes a lot of sense. And then as other people started talking about it, I kind of got in my, my own head a little bit of being like, I do see the other side of the story where they need a baby face. Badly. Um, and I don't know who else can really get there. They had a moment here where they could have turned Seth babyface by just him walking away um, instead of doing the beatdown. But either way, I don't, you know, the Seth not turning babyface maybe hurts him long run. Um, it definitely is going to help the feud when Cody comes back because Cody's going to come back as a massive fucking babyface. But I, to me, you could have done this with Seth and, uh, Jim Cornette pointed at the when Seth came back from injury, and they kind of did yeah. a very similar similar thing with him, where it's like, well, now here's your chance; you can push this guy back to the moon. Um, so I, I get both sides of the, both sides of that argument, and uh, after it, it set on me for a little bit, I kind of 
I kind of agree with Cornette. It probably would have been a good booking decision to turn him babyface just because they don't fucking have anybody else as a babyface. To the point where they're going to bring back in John Cena. You know what I'm saying? Like, that that's... So yep. I get, like I said, I get both sides of the story. You're going to have Seth as a massive heel. If you're just trying to get hate on the guy, this was a good way to do it. But Cody's going to be out for six or seven months. So you could have told the story, you know, not had Seth do the beatdown angle and then figured out where you're going next with him after the fact. God, is 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 Cody? I know, I know he's more similar to our generation when it comes to influences, and I know he's he's already talked about Triple H. But my God, is the man a hybrid of like I don't know, like late late '80s Sting, uh, '80s Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, and fucking his dad, like personified in the character? Because I feel like Vince definitely thinks that, and. Uh, I hope he pushes him to the moon. He could be like, honestly, I know this sounds stupid. He could be the next John Cena for the fucking WWE as a babyface. Honestly. Yeah, and he's the closest thing they've gotten in a very long time to uh, since maybe uh, Daniel Bryan to a babyface that the crowd actually cares about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he definitely could be their you know, next John Cena, it sucks that he got hurt and he's going to be on the shelf after putting out these three great matches with Seth and telling this very compelling story. That does suck. And, uh, I think the the sting comparison, especially if you're talking, you know, let's say 88 to 92 surfer sting, it's a great fucking comparison. And uh, the reason Seth's heel work is working so good in, <laughs> is because he finally has a fucking great baby face to work against. And, and that's, I think, the, the, that side of the argument of maybe you should have actually turned Seth baby face here because there's literally no one else and we just have a bunch of matches against people who are just kind of tweeners for the most part. That... You know, that's, you know, argument. you know what I love is the fact that, you know, remember when Sting first came to AEW, he confronted a, uh, you know, a Cody Rhodes and they talked and Sting said, you know, we have plenty of time to, you know, hang out, whatever, wrestle. And uh, that's never going to happen. And uh, that's probably the saddest thing about the Sting AEW thing and Cody going to WWE is that we're never going to have Sting and Cody in the same ring, even though that's definitely his two biggest influences, Chris, are Sting and Triple H, from what he says. And that's never going to happen for either one, <laughs> sadly. Yep. And, and you can definitely see shades of both, depending on if he's wrestling as a heel or if he's the big baby face. He, he does a lot of that same thing. I was actually surprised when he when he made that list that he didn't also put Randy Orton there. Because there, when, when he's wrestling as a heel, there are a lot of shades of Randy Orton as well. Um, but yeah, Cody's fucking great. And uh, he, he got Seth over as a fucking heel because we hated this shit. <laughs> 
up until Cody showed up. Um, or I did at least. And so it, that just shows that having a really great baby face can, can help you and, and make people care about, you know, heel characters. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on um, and talk about uh, dynamite before we get out of here. And uh, we had a, I'll say interesting, <laughs> interesting dynamite. <laughs> uh, just know. a heads up to everyone listening. You're probably going to be mad if you're a super, super AW fanboy. Cause I got my fucking shovel ready for this episode. Yeah. Let me go over this lineup for the Battle Royal at, at, at the beginning. And uh, from that, we had Darby Allen, Daniel Garcia, Lance Archer, Eddie Kingston, Tony Nese. They kicked it off. And then we had basically this is the exact same thing of Battle Royal they had beforehand with the. Uh, you know, certain people coming out like five at a time, and then you have the Joker. Uh, then we had Rick, Ricky Starks, Jake Hager, Ray Phoenix, uh, Swerve Strickland, and Keith Lee. And then we had John Silver, Max Caster, uh, Take Sheeta, and then both Austin and Colton Gunn. And then Dante Martin, Willer Yuta. Carlos Hobbs and both Kyler Riley and Bobby Fish came out. Uh, El Idolo Andrade was the Joker. I'm going to be honest with you, Chris. Uh, if Andrade, Darby Allen, Eddie Kingston, any three of those guys were to have won, I would have thought, all right, Maybe they have a chance against John Moxley at the end of the night. And I thought that Kyle O'Reilly and John Moxley had a great fucking match. <laughs> but when Kyle O'Reilly won it, I was like, okay, well, it's definitely going to be John Moxley. I thought this whole thing was fucking predictable as shit. I wish Darby Allen or Eddie Kingston won. And uh, they spelled it out what the fuck was going to happen at the end of their whole entire thing with Kyle O'Reilly winning. And uh, I don't know. I was a bit disappointed with their choice, especially when it comes to keeping it interesting with their show. Man, they're really behind Kyle O'Reilly. They've given him some very important wins as of late. And, uh, I, I'm okay with that because I think Kyle O'Reilly is great, but it was the same thing when he won. You're like, what kind of fuckery are they going to have to do to have him beat John Moxley? And they didn't even go that far. Like, you didn't really get everyone in the elite trying to help this guy get a title shot. Uh, and I don't know if that's, you know, future plans in the down the line of this group descending. The undisputed elite, I guess I should say. Uh but yeah, it was the same thing. It's like, wh- why? <laughs> Darby would have probably been the better choice, or Eddie. 
and they both have history with Moxley, and I think that would have made for a more entertaining main event. You could have still had the same fucking outcome, but it would have made it at least you could add the story. I could see not wanting to do Kingston since they're going to have them tag together at Blood and Guts. Um, but Darby would have been like the perfect guy to to win here, honestly, because he he has had that relationship with Moxley. They've had those matches before where Moxley's like, "Hey, I respect you." Cause you're fucking crazy like me um, and them having a, a main event match would have been really good. Now here's where none of this shit makes sense. They introduce a new fucking title belt on this show day <laughs> and set up a tournament for the title. Couldn't you have just done a fucking tournament for the interim championship? So we're talking about the uh, all Atlantic championship over at AEW, right? Yes, which actually had fucking a lot of people in it that probably should have been in the Battle Royal. They do this out of nowhere. (laughs) This, this, This is supposed to be basically their European title. Look, with everything going on, especially with the Japanese, you know, um, crossover with New Japan... Why the fuck would you decide to do this right now? I have no idea. I guess to keep major players in the battle royal out of the, uh, you know, world championship thing. But uh, look, I love having a match with uh, Buddy and fucking Pac, but uh, it's stupid. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> look, I understand if the if the the concept is. To have this on someone that's like from AAA, New Japan, you know, they have this title. And it's kind of like what New Japan was trying to do with the IWGP US title. And, you know, have from other organizations across the world. The only problem is um, everything. They called it it the fucking Atlantic title and it has a Chinese flag on it. The fact, the fact that you're having um, Australian and Japanese wrestlers involved in this, that's the Pacific Ocean, Tony. Um, doesn't make a lot of fucking sense at all. Why didn't you just call it the Worldwide Championship or something? like? Or, Why the uh, fuck didn't you guys just not do another championship? We, we just got... The fact that Adam Cole and fucking uh, Britt Baker can have their Owen Hart championships, and though it's not something to give up, it's it's basically like the uh, the diamond ring that uh, MJF had in title form. Um, and we know that there is a trios title coming soon. You don't need a fucking European champion. Like how many? All right, so Chris, let me list this, okay? They have Ring of Honor. They have the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion. That's on Jonathan Gresham. They have the Ring of Honor Television Champion. That's on Smojo. They have the Ring of Honor Pure Champion. That's on uh, Willow <laughs> Yuta. All right, so that's just that. The Tag Team Champions are uh, obviously FTR. Then they have the... Th- this is just an AW, by the way. Okay, so that doesn't include... <laughs> The fact they've had the NWA both world champion and more so the women's world champion on this fucking product. Different impact championships 
on this fucking product. Then we go into AEW by itself. You, we don't know who the fuck the AEW champion is right now. We we can say CM Punk because interim. Uh, TNT, Scorpio Sky, who we have no idea is really injured or not. Um, and then you have the tag titles hold by Jungle Express for some fucking reason. Probably going back on the Young Bucks, even though they haven't been in the top five for like, I don't know, two months. Um, God damn it. This is so stupid. The F the, the fuck the world champion is uh, Ricky Starks that you guys can that you guys consider a championship in this. And uh, now to wrap it up, besides the woman's champion, who is Thunder Rosa, who I have a lot to say about that whole entire thing. And then you have Jake Cargill as the TPS champion. What the fuck? How many championships <laughs> do you need? In this fucking company. Like, everyone gives shit to WWE for this. Why are we not allowed to give shit to this AEW? I, I, I don't understand. This is ridiculous. This is stupid. It's There's so many goddamn titles. I, I get that they haven't figured out what they're doing with Ring of Honor yet, but uh, did they, do we really need an interim champion? Couldn't you just had like Punk give the belt up because he was unable to defend it? Now we got like a we have a TNT title, we have a TBS title, like you said, you get tag titles. They're talking about doing a trios title. Um, <laughs> we have this weird. Uh, I'm just gonna call it the worldwide title, and also it's kind of fucked up. There was no Americans in this tournament, by the way. <laughs> Some of us <laughs> are also near the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, I, what the fuck, Dane? <laughs> Honestly, like, I agree with you. What the fuck was this? Why did it happen? The people that were in there, Miro, was, he's only lost, like, two matches since being in AW. Why was he not in the Battle Royal? Um, the afterbirth, as uh, Jim Cornette would say of this, is people like Wardlow, who should be a top contender for the title, talking about how they don't want to face anyone until... Punk comes back. Hangman just dropped the goddamn title. And this, the easy storyline would have been, yeah, Punk won, but did he really? Because I'm still here standing. And then you could just have him fucking <laughs> be the interim champion. Like, this shit is so dumb. This episode was hot fucking garbage. And very so, bad booking. <laughs> very bad. So, the Battle Royal. <laughs> itself the fact that either eddie kingston or darby allen didn't win to add to the mystery of who's going to be able to go past moxley the fact that moxley wasn't really uh the second person you know to go for the title he wasn't number one contender at all and they had to change it from wardlow the fact that wardlow wasn't in this brian danielson wasn't in this a lot of top competitors. We're supposed to just fucking take this in and act like it's uh, <laughs> like a good idea. Like that's what we're supposed to do. Fucking Jericho wasn't in it. His cronies Jericho were in it, but in it. Jericho wasn't in it. <laughs> like, wouldn't it have made sense to do Jericho even if you wanted to do this? You could have told the story of like, well, now it's Jericho and Moxley, and then you could still build off of that for fucking blood and guts because they're running that shit back. 
uh, anyways. <laughs> like, would it have made sense for Jericho's cronies to help him win this fucking battle royal and then have him lose in the main event? This shit was spelled the fuck out, basically, from, uh, you know, how they did it. Uh, I, I don't get it. Uh, Darby, or like I said, Darby or Kingston winning would have made me think, okay, maybe they have a chance. Everyone else, especially fucking Kyle O'Reilly, was like, all right, never mind. Fuck it. <laughs> We're, we'll have a good match at the end, but who gives a shit at this point? Like, oh. Midway through the fucking show, they have Will Ospreay show up. You should have just had him win this motherfucker. <laughs> like, the, No, the, the actual answer to this, Dane, and the reason it doesn't make any sense is because it shouldn't have been a fucking battle royal to begin with. Either CM Punk should have relinqu- relinquished the title. And whoever and, and you set up a goddamn tournament leading to Forbidden Door, and uh, it, the number one contender should be the guy that just fucking dropped the title first and foremost. But it, it none of it made any sense. It's, it's fucking it was garbage. And uh, I, I I I praise AEW a lot on this show, and and sometimes in the past we have had comments that like you guys are very positive AEW. Well, look when they do stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> I will break out the shovel and fucking bury it. This is a prime example of that. But I will say for the All-Atlantic Championship, the uh, tournament match between Pac and Buddy Matthews, fucking awesome. Great match. I'm glad Pac won over, but I mean, when you think about two guys that are very similar in style, it's like Benoit and fucking Dynamite Kid with these two because – Similar the body style, similar style of wrestling. I mean, great stuff. But uh, I got I gotta ask you with with Miro being involved with Al, with uh, I was supposed to call him Alistair Black, but um, Malachi. Those are the two I would put it on. Honestly, would it either be Malachi Black or uh, Rusev. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with you. Um, or Pac. Pac could be fine too. I, I mean, if this is a title we're never supposed to think about again, I'd put it on Malachi Black and have him like burn it or something, <laughs> so it just never gets brought up again. Um, yeah, I don't know. Miro, man, he was pretty much undefeated. Got kind of forced into a position to wrestle. Brian Danielson in that tournament because Moxley got hurt. Uh, and then he got hurt and was gone and he just came back and fucking absolutely, I can't remember who he wrestled, but he fucking basically squashed them at that pay-per-view. I, Miro versus Malachi. That's fun. The redeemer himself <laughs> versus this weird black metal band. I think that's an interesting storyline. Um, so that would probably be the route I would go is either Miro or Malachi and, and tell a story off of that. But also this fucking tournament just shouldn't exist, really, if we're being honest with ourselves. No, it should not. But uh, what are you going to do? All right, so we had uh, Hangman Page and Dave Finley. This ad had been promoted for a while beforehand, and they had a really good match. Uh, Hangman Page ended up winning, but... Mr. Will Ospreay and his group got uh, involved, and there was uh, a lot of beatdown. 
Will Ospreay got a great entrance. Uh, people were very excited about him, including myself. See him on this product. And just set up uh, things for the future. I don't know. Um, like Adam Cole being on commentary and kind of like just downing uh, Adam Page. And it seems like even though this happened, like I said, Adam Cole, Adam Page, they both want whoever wins between Okada and Jay White. So, uh, like I said, this seems like it's setting up a four-way, maybe with a lot of us not knowing how the hell Jay White beat Okada. It might be Jay White and Adam Cole and then Okada versus Adam Page for a four-way, but this is definitely where it starts unless Will Ospreay and, uh, you know, Adam Page starts from the interruption within this match. So what do you think is going to happen, Chris? Uh, I love Will Ospreay. The the pop that Adam Page just mentioning Okada's name that was fucking very audible in the the building shows where you probably should go with this. Uh, so if if w, if if New Japan put the title on Jay White just to get out of Okada being on the show, I'm going to be very fucking disappointed. And that's like my number one worry right now is did they shift the title off of Okada to do Jay White, Will Ospreay, uh, Adam Cole, and Adam Page? And just Okada's not on the pay-per-view. <laughs> I hope that is not the case. <laughs> but the rest of this show <laughs> and how it was booked kind of makes me worry that that might be the case. Uh uh, I don't know, man. I, this is I, this is fine. These are a bunch of great wrestlers in general. I think we're going to get a good match, but it, 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 Okada should have already fucking showed up at this point if they're going to do something with him. We're two weeks out from Forbidden Door. Two or three weeks out. Yeah. I think so. Adam Cole's not mad at all that, you know, he just lost the title and no one's talking about him in the AEW title picture, which kind of buries your fucking title. Um, it's more important that he goes after the New Japan title? <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> like he, lo- he loses and he's like, eh, that's not a big deal. It's like, I'll he, go for he, IWGP title instead. He, he loses a title that he could have won and decided not to win because he didn't want to be a bad guy <laughs> in the match. And the guy who won the title from him is fucking injured, and this is what you guys came up with. <laughs> yeah. And you don't even have the WWE excuse of, we have Monday Night Raw directly after the pay-per-view. <laughs> so... You guys had three fucking days to figure this out. It's pretty ridiculous if you if you think about it. Um, all right, well we had uh, Thunder Rosa going against Maria Shafir for the championship. <coughs> Sorry, um, it's a good match. No, actually, what the fuck am I talking about? All right, well actually this this was a very sloppy match for the most part. And uh, Marie Shafir has a lot of potential, but 
she needs to uh, work on it before she goes against a fucking champion who they barely get the fucking... Thunder Rosa barely gets to talk. Her matches like this, she had to fucking do a roll-up against Maria Shafir to beat her, and then she got her ass kicked until fucking Tony Storm came out to save her, and it looks like she's actually trying to go for that title. I don't know. I feel like Thunder Rosa deserves a lot more, and I feel like she's served a lot less, and I definitely don't agree with it. I'm just being honest with you. I uh, This should not be as competitive as it was, and I thought it was very sloppy. It's funny because Maria Shafir had a better fucking um, championship match with Jake Cargill, who is very new to the business, compared to Thunder Rosa, who's been doing this for the last four years. But what are you going to do? Chris, what do you think? I'm not a huge Marina Shafir fan in general, and the match was it was there, uh, but it was not good or anything to write home about. And like you said, Thunder Rosa deserves better. And if the the if this buildup is just a try to immediately put the belt on Tony Storm, I think that is a bad idea because flesh out Thunder Rosa. People fucking love her, and you're going to get a huge backlash if you just drop, make thunder drop the title to Tony storm. Who's been here for two months. Agreed. All right. Well, uh, I don't know where this happened in the night, but I want to bring it up is that the Hardys are now going against, um, the young bucks against, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Jurassic express for the tag titles and FTR. Of course, Dax Harwood was uh, put up the fucking standings for the last several weeks that the Young Bucks have not been in uh, at all. And the Hardys have, uh, you know, gone up there, but not been as close. FTR is a second. This also goes towards the concept where we just dissolve the concept of the uh, number one contender. To shape it up, to make it like make sense that John Moxley was the number one, we went overall instead of yearly, which makes absolutely no fucking sense whatsoever. So Wardlow, who claimed that he wanted to go for the TNT championship uh, because CM Punk doesn't have the world championship, was his reason to be out of that, still does not make a lot of fucking sense. And, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to call it Tony Khan. You want this to be all logistical. You want all of this to be, like, based off of, you know, the standings for each person. And you're not going by that, which is whatever. But don't argue with fucking people online when they call you out. That would be a great thing. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, just – just accept that not every booking idea that you have is going to be the best idea. And uh, also, you know, don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. Three years ago, you said we're only going to have three titles. Wins and losses are mat- are, are going to matter, and we want the three titles to matter. And this episode fucking erased all logic of what that was. <laughs> uh, it 
this this might have been one of, if not the worst dynamites uh, I have seen ever or in a very, very long time. It was a very bad episode, and not because of the in-ring work, just because of like all of the decisions they decided to do. <laughs> Leading into what should be this big, huge, awesome pay-per-view. <laughs> like I said, if you're going to do something that you know makes sense, have Wardlow win the fucking thing. Go against Moxley uh, because Scorpio Sky gets involved from his bullshit. You know he loses, and then he goes for the TNT Championship and trying to like instead of being like, oh, since Punk doesn't have it, I don't want it. And then I want this championship. None of it fucking makes a goddamn look of sense. It's all stupid. And look, this main event was good. And we've talked about it. John Moxley's awesome. Kyle O'Reilly's awesome. I love that where both of them like, did the, even though it's like completely ridiculous, did the, uh, I, I think it's like Moxley like, hits the fucking rope, certain way comes back, springboards, and clotheslines, but like so does uh, which we call it uh, Kyle O'Reilly. So he did that first. The Moxley came back and hit him with a clothesline. I mean, it was a good match. They were great, but did you think that fucking Kyle O'Reilly was going to win that match, Chris? No, and uh, Moxley absolutely murdered the guy at the end of the match for the finish. So it kind of looked like he just didn't belong there. Um. <laughs> Which, if you're going to have the guy win the fucking Battle Royal, you would at least want the the end of the match to be a little more competitive, I guess. I I, I don't know, man. I, I hated this entire episode. I think that the, the Atlantic title is stupid. If you're going to do a fucking title tournament and you're going to have an interim champion, like, just... They should have called CM Punk because they literally did this with John Cena in WWE when CM Punk took the belt and left <laughs> to build up to him coming back. I mean, the it, it I I hated this entire episode. And you know what? On commentary, they did a really bad job of making you care about Kyle O'Reilly at all <laughs> in this match. Absolutely agreed, and he lost. So it will be Moxley versus Tanahashi. He caught the elbows, the the bulldog choke, and the Death Rider. Like, not only did he lose, he absolutely got fucking killed. Basically, Jesus. So I think we already talked about this, but just real quick. Reiterate, Tanahashi or Moxley? I mean, Moxley's got to win because it's the title. They're not going to put the fucking title on Tanahashi. Ace isn't going to come wrestle every week on Wednesday in AEW. That's what I'm going for. And it looks like uh, that will probably be the outcome. So, well, damn. Um, I think that's our episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, and uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show. You can find this show on any downloadable platform. doesn't matter if it's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube Music, whatever. 
just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance and you'll find us. Uh, give us a five-star rating, of course, and uh, all that good stuff. S- subscribe, definitely. Uh, Chris, say goodbye to all the lovely people out there today. Goodbye, all the lovely people out there. Uh, hey, exciting times. If you're a hockey fan, we got Tampa versus uh, Colorado in Stanley Cup. It's been a while since Colorado's been there at a very competitive level, so should be a really, really fun game. Uh, if you like hockey, check out At Skates the Throats. If you want to talk about movie, music, etc., anything we talk about on the show, you can hit me at at Chris R. Patton, um, Christopher.r.patton on Instagram and Facebook. And you can find me at Dana Alves on Facebook, Instagram, or DanaAlves42 on Twitter. Let's have a conversation and just be a part of the Geek Vibes Nation. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. Have a wonderful day, whatever you're listening to us. And, of course, let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. And peace out. Have a good one, guys. Okay, this is more promising.